Yeah. Anytime you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> the Australia Day stuff was great content. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe that's cool. it. We we can, we don't have to have a funny cold open. We can just have like a very sobering cold open about genocide and national days of like morning. a lukewarm open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just 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 an opening that makes people go. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I should probably think about that more. Or go to a march or something. Hey, and then it just kicks into. All right, we've successfully engineered a cold open. <laughs> See, I told him to do one. And he he got right on and did it. Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I am Andrew. Hello. Hello. How are you going, listener? Right. So every single time we have a guest on, I'm like, all right, we'll have a quick chat, <laughs> yeah. and then we'll bring the guest in, and then I, and then we get to it, be like, what do we chat about? What? And depending <laughs> on who it is, I really love really drawing it out before we bring them on. So they're just kind of <laughs> waiting in this awful limbo state, which is really fun. Yeah, but anyway, like yes. if Pat's on, we just start talking about how as long as we Paris, possibly Texas can. for like five minutes yeah. or something. And just, <laughs> yeah. just wait till it boils. Shut up! Yeah. Shut up! Yeah. <laughs> I'm Pat, by the way. Hello. Anyway, <laughs> anyway we've got another guest on this week. It's a friend of the show, Laura. Welcome Hi, Laura. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Thank you so much. I love what you've done with the place. Thank you. It's very yeah. beefy. This spaceship. Yep. I feel like we only acknowledge it. It looks like inside of the Event Horizon ship, so. That's right. Which is, I like that. I mean, I haven't actually seen a Random Horizon, so I don't really know yeah, whether that's neither. a good ship. It's to like be gothic horror type stuff. Is. It's actually oh. the production design is probably the best there, thing about the movie. Um, there's meat. Okay. It's human meat. Oh. But yeah. I wouldn't call that beef. See, no, I feel like probably. I feel like I'm not too attached to Long the pig. Maybe. <laughs> I I don't really want there to be meat in the station. Okay. I'm not saying oh. it's like a vegan okay. station. Uh, I I just I feel like it's more like beef the beef station. is like a concept. Okay. It's a very dumb name. It is. It's an incredibly what? stupid no. name. The thing that annoys me the it. most about it, people are like, is, "Oh, because you guys have beef." I'm like, "No, that's not even it." Ugh. Yeah, well, it's more than one thing, but not really any of them. Mm. Um, the most annoying thing is we don't have the SEO yet, dude. Like, there's a beef station restaurant that comes up as the first result. You have to Google beef station podcast, and then we come up first. Th- that annoys is, the fuck out of there me. Is I'm, even gonna, I'm waging war on this restaurant I, as I, soon as I'm about to quit my job, and my full time job is going to be fucking this restaurant over. I'm pretty sure there is. If you look up beef station in podcasts, we're not even the only result. There is like a <laughs> cattle themed podcast that oh, pops up. I the yeah, restaurant hell was yeah. about to have its own podcast. Yeah, the restaurant podcast. God, we're so fucked if that happens. Oh. Probably would listen. There's wrong yeah. station. There's rust station station. There's the Beef and Dairy Network that pops mm. up if you search Beef Station. Right. Uh, we, we are first, though, on that, right? Meditation Station. I don't, want, I don't need to be the only one. No, we're first. If you search, I just got to be oh, the good. first. If, you, if in my podcast that, app cool. you search Beef Station, yeah, that's we fine. are the first Beef Station podcast. And I'd imagine we'd be close to the first podcast on Spotify and stuff as well. You'd hope so. Yeah. But well, we can take this one offline, I reckon. There's a podcast called Weird Tales on the Unexplainable where one of the hosts' names is Beef. Listeners, we were just having a lengthy discussion before <laughs> we started recording about how this is going to be a worryingly long episode because we've got so much fucking shit to cover and Oscar's <laughs> listing podcasts. <laughs> right. I so, said the word well, Beef and we yeah, ended up here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show, Laura. Three neurodivergent people on a podcast. <laughs> uh, so That's the default podcast configuration, though. You're a yeah. Sure. We know. Uh, 
I'm lucky to be the the resident normal member of the podcast. <laughs> oh, I said three neurodivergent. All right, so, uh, we know Laura because uh, you guys do film yeah, stuff together. Yeah, frequent collaborator, very talented, mm. uh, early career filmmaker and script supervisor. Mm-hmm. So Laura's got the industry expertise that we also desire. Damn, uh, we'll be talking about Tar later on in the episode. The new film by a man named Todd. Todd Field. And his last name is Field. It's Thank Field. you, Todd Field. Uh, we'll be talking about Tar. I'll feel this one. New movie, named <laughs> new movie by one. Todd Field. Uh, it just came out. We just saw it a couple weeks ago at the cinema. So hopefully if I crank out this edit in time, you'll be able to see it too. It's a hot well, favorite. we saw a preview thing. So by the time this is coming out, it should have general release. Fuck, that's organized. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's All sick. Right. We really thought uh, that one out. We did. It, it's a hot purpose. favorite uh, at the Oscars this year as well. So mm-hmm. uh, lots of buzz going around this film. And we'll talk about it later. We like to try and do like a little spoiler-free review up front. And then we'll, if we have any spoilery stuff to talk about, we'll give you fair warning. Um a bunch of uh, exciting news and updates and things to cover as well. So why don't, why don't we launch it into some uh, launch it into some news first up? Yep, sounds right? good. Let's do it. Beef bullet. Wow. We've had a lot of guest surprise that we do that live every time. I'm not surprised you did it live. I'm surprised by the eye contact. Yeah, I don't like it either. I tend to kind of stare off in space. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Last week is the first week in ages that we just forgot to do the beef, the beef, wow. list, uh, the, the news theme. We just didn't do it <laughs> with Pat. Yeah, so we we just we just Fuck. didn't do the news music. That's got to so be the week, first time. It's there's two times where I recycled a news thing. It was last <laughs> week where I copied the week before's news music. Nice. I wonder if anyone noticed. No one noticed. Right. And there was a week early on where I went to do the news music, and you said. Do we have to do this every week? <laughs> and I said, "Oh, uh, no, 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 it's fine." And then no, when I was fine. editing, I just, I, like just I just copied it again. <laughs> so there are two. Okay, yeah. canonically, um, that's great. Anyway, before we cover the Oscars nominations that are coming out, a few quick whiz uh, whizzes through the funny headlines I found this week. John Lacaret. Mm-hmm. or John Larroquette. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Larroquette reveals he was paid to narrate the Texas. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre in marijuana. What? What's oh. what's happening? Okay, he was paid so in marijuana. Super low budget. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, bad sense. Oh, the same exact thing just happened <laughs> to me. Okay, John Larroquette confirms he got paid Where the in fuck marijuana. Where is this headline from? Uh, so that one was the New York Post. Oh, of course, it was a New York fucking Post <laughs> headline. God, one of the worst written headlines I've seen. I in okay, ages. don't remember narration. Good, good in article. That movie. <laughs> All right, so they have quoted some article is. in something called Parade. Oh, I haven't seen it. All oh. oh, right, so I'll go. I'll go to the original Parade article. Maybe that's better. Written. Okay, sure. Uh, wow, the New York Post stealing content. The what? star of the new NBC Night Court reboot confirms to Parade <laughs> that he narrated the prologue of the 1974 horror film The Texas Chainsaw Massacre in exchange for marijuana, courtesy of Tobe Hooper. Mm. Totally true, he says of the internet rumors. He gave me some marijuana or a match a matchbox or whatever you called it in those days. I walked out of the recording <laughs> studio and patted him on the backside and said, good luck to you. Wow. <laughs> Revealing. Admitting to sexual yeah. harassment. <laughs> oh, it's all right. He's it's going to prison. Playful tap on the ass between friends happens to the best of it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that, that's, that's kind of the whole headline. Great. Jeremy Renner got run over by his own snowplow. Oh, that's the <laughs> And broke 30 plus bones. Is that the one you wanted to bring yeah. up? There was an update today where he oh. he, was appa- he apparently like... Um, More bones broken found. He was using the snowplow to pull his nephew's <laughs> truck out of like a... It was stuck in, or whatever. In Nevada. Yeah. And then got <laughs> the snowplow... <laughs> 
like got off the snowplow and he forgot to put the brake on it. Apparently. Yeah, like every American, yeah. he doesn't know what a fucking handbrake is. Yelchin it's so situation. crazy, dude. They just don't use handbrakes in America. Wild. Insane. Yeah. Anyway, so he got in front of his own snowplow and then it ran over him. <laughs> Unbelievable stuff. I'm kind of glad that he's alive, but yeah. Jesus Christ, did it fuck him up? I guess if he switched into a crossbow for this new album, movie. it's completely. Yeah. This will bring the app back. It's completely unrelated, fees. but the reason I find this so funny is the is Jeremy the app? Renner yeah. app. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just thinking about that guy nearly died getting run over by his own snowplow. Just the, thinking the about of, all the all the mourning middle aged women that were like writing him like lipstick yeah. smeared love letters Waiting and stuff. Outside yeah. the oh god, imagine <laughs> looking in every ambulance. Just like, the is amount of like concern that was <laughs> generated by this whole process is so funny. Very good. God Very damn. Good shit. Um, all right, those are the funny headlines I found this week. That's yep, all. Nice. Cut those to a close. Enough riffing on that. Perfect. Um, okay, so uh, moving on. Oscar nominations just came out a couple of days ago, as of recording. So we thought we'd whiz. I, thought, I see we're all r- roughly familiar with them. So I thought we'd just whiz through the big ones and just see if anyone's got any initial impressions or predictions or thoughts or anything. Mm-hmm. So, yep. um, in terms of the films that have been nominated the most, everything, everywhere, all at yeah, once. It's cleaning yep. house. Uh, it's got eleven nominations. Uh, films with uh, other films with a lot of nominations are All Quiet on the Western Front, Banshees mm-hmm. of Inshirin both have nine, Elvis has eight, uh, Fable Ones has seven, Tar has six. So a lot of big names up there. I don't want to go listen it actually, to all of them. It's been a fucking great year. Huge year. Yeah. I think let's, a huge improvement. I, I do want to talk about, like, I, I guess as an exemplifying, as, as an example of that, like the best picture norms, right? You've got All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar Way of Water, which is kind of a surprise to see on that list. Yeah. Banshees is there, which I love. Elvis, Boo, <laughs> Everything Everywhere, obviously going to be there. Fablemans, which is a new Spielberg okay. movie that I'm, I'll talk about a little bit yeah, later. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, which is really great. Tar, Top Gun Maverick is very weird <laughs> to be in that list. And there's a couple of notable ones that could have been there and said, you, you, you really love After Sun, which is Yeah, I mean, that was never going to get there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just surprised to see Top Gun there. Yes. I guess people really did. I mean, like there's it. a whole bunch in here that if they actually won, it would be crazy. Like if oh, Avatar yeah. or Top Gun or Elvis, yeah, won, it would be a fucking be travesty. Fucking for like, why? Why nominate those movies? But I'm shocked to see Triangle of Sadness up there yeah, because same. I didn't think that was going to get there. And the last one is Women Talking, yeah, which that, I haven't seen. I was surprised as well. I but mean, yeah. not that I've seen it, but it just seemed like they were completely snubbing it. Mm. And Sarah Polly, like everyone has loved her films. Mm generally like every like all the lead actresses that have been nominated the last like three years are in it basically right yeah yeah and it has then a just got cast, nothing right? got ignored at the yeah. baftas and then they're like oh Golden i guess Globes. i guess a little best pick nom right why think, not yeah, yeah i think the one i want to win the ones i want to win that are like my actual favorites from that list yes. is probably everything everywhere or banshees of inner sharon yeah yeah probably I the th- two contenders i think that in terms of the ones that i think will win hollywood often awards the best picture to films that are kind of in some meta way about Hollywood. Yeah. Which makes me mm. think, even though I haven't seen The Fablemans, that maybe The Fablemans is a strong contender. And the other one I think is probably going to win uh, in terms of, despite it not being my favorite, but I think is I think what I should win is Tar. I think Tar mm. has a strong I'd be strong surprised, contender. but I would be happy. I guess yeah. comparing this one to last year, I think it's going to be everywhere. Uh, Everything same. That would, that be, would be crazy guess. if that film. But um, it's kind but of the I, Yeah, I reckon it's like most awards. Like I think it's got a really good chance of winning, and it's the one that I've seen people predicting to win the most. Mm. Wild. Um, 
Uh, it, just comparing this list to last year's list, which had some real fucking stinkers <laughs> yeah, on it. Yeah, photo? Um, I don't even remember one last year, but yeah. Just like really, a Fuck, really mediocre up. field. Which, yeah. Like, sorry, whatever, however <laughs> you feel about Adam McKay. No, no thank God. Nice. I can't believe it was nominated for uh, Laura <laughs> hates that movie <laughs> and that movie Adam sucks. McKay in general. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like that one, but I like Adam McKay. Yeah. Um, Belfast, I also Belfast passionately apparently hated. Yeah. yeah. I think Oscar was... Like reasonably positive I had, I had on that a, one. I had a good time with it. Nice. It was like yeah. a popcorn, a popcorny movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. In that sure. it gets oh, no, no, just stuck like in a, your like teeth a, and you feel really dehydrated after you watch. Wholesome, wholesome, sappy, sort of fun, fun movie. You know, whatever. Yeah, movie. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this year, so best picture. What, what are your What are your thoughts on predictions on best picture? What's going to win? You I, I think it'll be everywhere. Uh, everything, everywhere. I think. Yeah, I think everything. Nah. But it's a little bit of a crazier choice. So if they were going safe, it will be Banshees. Mm. Because they also love Martin McDonough, Three Billboards. Yeah, very they well. do. Yeah, but it just kind of seems like everything has the traction. It's kind of I think so. Got that parasite thing where it came out like February, and yeah. its momentum has just stayed, which mm. kind of shows that everyone kind of loves I it. I think it's good optics yeah. too. It's a pretty easy one. It's not really about. I mean, it is like an. It's an immigrant story in a very like yeah. backgroundy kind of way, in a and palatable of, way. Like they always like the story behind it as well. Like yeah. it's kind of exciting for the directors and yeah. Michelle Yeoh and, and, Kwan Kwan and, Kwan. and Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so got so, it's got so much many going for it. Stories. It's like a really breakout role for um, uh, Stephanie Hsu. Stephanie Hsu, yeah. thank you. So yeah, um, I think. I think that'll be the winner. If I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Tar, mm. but I'd also be happy with like seven of these movies winning. Yeah, not many of them I'll yeah. be mad at. Top Gun and Elvis, yeah. probably. I would be annoyed about Top Gun or Elvis. I'd also probably be annoyed about... Um, Avatar. It'd be crazy Avatar about Avatar. would be weird. I, w- I wouldn't be annoyed about Avatar, but I would be so surprised. Yeah. Very. Like, that's... That's, that's probably like the, the, that's probably the least likely to win, in my opinion. Avatar is <laughs> yeah. like Coda, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah in, a, in a way, yeah. D- Best director... We've got everything oh, yeah. everywhere: Tar, Banshees, Triangle of Sadness, and The Fablemans. Also I've seen happy awesome for lineup. any of these yeah, to win. So I, good. They all rule. So I've cool. seen almost. I've seen almost all of those. You guys have seen all of those. Yeah. Uh, Banshees of Inner Sharon is one of my favorite films of the year. Nice. And I think just in terms of has McDonough won an Oscar for Best Director? Oh, that's a good question. I don't remember if he won for Three Billboards. Mm. They're all, all all banger. It'd be awesome if he got if he got it. All banger movies there. Looking through like this list, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about like notable movies that have kind of been left off the list. Mm. Like, yeah. Uh, nope. Nope. Zero noms. Didn't receive any nominations. Like nothing. That's fucking crazy. It's wild. I, I mean, I, I definitely thought it felt like, oh, okay. Sorry. Then I, yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> I, I would, I would love if it didn't, well, I wouldn't love if it didn't get best picture, but it would be fine if it didn't get best picture, but he got a best I director. I think he's more likely to get best Screenplay mm. because I think the oh, directing is, the, the screenplay stands out more than the directing for that one. Yep, yep, but that's fair. It would be yeah. cool if you got it. I wouldn't. Yeah, be it mad. doesn't have any like flashy, really flashy cinematography or anything. Well, yeah. like the performances are really well. Yeah, yeah. everything everywhere or tar maybe. I reckon everything everywhere will win for that as well. well um, other movies that tar were left off that haven't gotten any nominations: Barbarian. Oh. Which is kind of oh. cool. Sure. It wasn't really a contender. I really yeah. loved it, but it just doesn't feel like something just, the Academy no, would no, put a no, whole lot shocking. of. Just to yeah, no, this is, is the most surprising one to have. Like, to, especially because they loved Get Out. It seems perfectly like a movie uh, that would get into only like the sound design, the score, yeah. and the VFX categories or something. Even. Like, come on. 
Right, but yeah, just nothing. A couple other ones uh, on here that in mm-hmm. this article of sort of notable ex- oh, yeah. notable uh, things to be left off. After Yang, you were talking yeah. about earlier After in the Yang, year? Yeah, that would I mean, be cool. I, I don't know. It didn't uh, seem like it would. Some of the categories that I would put it forward for, I wouldn't put it above any of the five nominations. Yeah. yeah. But it's such a good movie. And I didn't really rate the menu on the mm. like best of the year, but the menu hasn't gotten anything. Like, yeah. People yeah. acting like that's a snub. I think that's a weird take. It was yeah, I mean, I thought Ray Fiennes was really... Movie. I've heard everyone that's been positive on it has been really positive on yeah, it. Yeah, which uh, I don't nah. get. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, do we see it together? No, I haven't seen it. Uh, I thought... I thought it was like exactly what I was expecting. Yeah. Right. No more. It, actually, I was expecting based on the trailer. I was a little expecting bit more. it to be crazy, like blood yeah. sport, like people being Same. hunted and cannibalized. Yeah. And it's it's not. <laughs> that it's bit like, is such a like anticlimactic thing because they they. I mean, a minor spoiler for the menu, but the, it's like you got to go run and not get caught. Be the last one to not get caught. Right. And then that happens. And then they all just come back to the restaurant. It like, like oh, it's irrelevant. Bit of, bit it of a fun so, run out. Yeah, that's, that's the main like complaint the I've heard from the people up. that didn't yeah. like it is that it, was, it's, it's, it builds itself to this bizarre climax that means nothing. Yeah, yeah. it thinks it's really deep and I don't know yeah. if I believe it's yeah. that deep. Yeah, yeah I don't think it does review. very much with its premise. So yeah. like, anyway, I will see are, it, but I just don't know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's entertaining to watch, but it did, like, as soon as it finished, I was like, okay, done. Right. Don't need to think about this again. Best actor? Oh, yeah. Uh, Austin Butler and Elvis, Colin sure. Farrell and yeah. Banshees of Inner Sharon, yep. Brendan right. Fraser and The Whale, yep. Paul Mescal and After so Sun. Yes. <laughs> we still haven't seen The Whale because it's not out here yet. <coughs> and Bill Nye in Living. Living. Seen that as That's well. That's weird. I haven't seen that one. I saw, that was at Sundance. It's mm. um, a remake, well, a re-adaptation of a Kurosawa film. Right. Mm. Um, and he's really good in it. It's actually a really okay. sweet film. That's I was surprised it got any Oscar attention. Nice. Yeah. I think well, yeah, so sorry, we're, we're um, alighting here after Sun, which is like Fuck, one of yes. Laura's, especially like Paul Mescal. Really personally campaign yeah. for that film. I am its marketing I don't know, yeah, coordinator. You're in the lead of Australian <laughs> marketing. Um, I don't know anything about it and I don't want to know yeah. anything about it because I'm 100% going to see it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's safe to say it's coming out soon. It should be out after this episode I is think, released. I want to say I February. Mean, it's release date is definitely safe to say. Yeah. February 23rd, something yeah, like so that. Yeah, so it's, it's a while a off. So this will probably come out before it. Yeah. Mm. And uh, based on everything that I've heard, based on the nominations it's getting and based on what Laura's saying, that is a go and watch this movie. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm keen to see it. I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll have Paul Mescal. Insane that it got a nomination yeah, just well, yeah. like he basically it came down to him and Tom Cruise and they went for him yeah, <laughs> over good. Tom Cruise yeah. which I love that's good. so funny um, <laughs> great I don't think Tom Cruise's performance was particularly memorable in Top Gun Maverick no. so yep <laughs> he great. was there yeah exactly he was. Yeah. I think if Elvis I would have put forward the lead of Fablemans before I put forward Tom yeah, Cruise and like, he was like he got some like Golden Globes he got a yeah, bit more yeah, attention yeah, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know what happened there yeah, yeah. So, I, it's crazy. I haven't really heard of the Bill Nye performance yeah I was, I was just thinking like I think if, if Elvis was going to get any recognition Austin Butler as best actor I wouldn't be mad yeah I'm yeah, not, I'm not upset I, like, I, I didn't like the film at all mm. if you've listened to that episode you'd know that but um, but his incredible. performance is fucking yeah, incredible cool. I think it's sort of the flip side of the um, blonde like Anna de Armas thing where like even if people hate the movie they there's no faults with the performance mm. you know what I mean like yeah, the lead performance is insane like I almost think he does he could win yeah I almost out think of that list I mean we've been shooting on the movie most people like the movie so mm. maybe he doesn't like whatever yeah. I'm just in a shit movie he was so stunning in it but yep. my pick out of those I mean I've only seen a couple of them but Colin Farrell in Banshees was just mm. so he was great mm-hmm. we haven't talked about it on the pod but fuck that was a good movie mm. yeah um Best actress, quick, quickly. Kate Blanchett in Tar. 
Yep. Armata Armas in blonde. Yep. Andrea Riseborough in two Leslie. <laughs> this is Michelle. a weird little left field pick because yeah. no one's seen the movie. <laughs> and oh, yeah. everyone's like, Except what the fuck every, is this? Like, big actor in yeah, Hollywood every actor's coming yeah. out saying it's cool. Michelle Williams in The Fablements mm-hmm. and Michelle yep. Yeoh in Everything Everywhere. Yeah, the two good. big favourites here are Kate Blanchett in Tar and Michelle Yeoh in Everything Everywhere. Yeah. And I, I think, I think Michelle Yeoh's got it on lock. I don't uh, think it's going to be. I don't know if it's locked. Anna de Armas, but it. Oh no! Same same be. explanation as Austin Butler. I, actually, I think she could. Yeah. she could deservingly get it. I but would, I don't think the Academy's. Her do nomination that. was a surprise, like yeah, similar to exactly. Paul Mescal, I would yeah. say. So I feel like that's usually where that one ends. Like they yeah. don't then do a it's double surprise a of a win. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's. I. It seems like to me it's fifty fifty for Kate and Michelle. Yeah. Kate's got a billion yeah. Oscars. She doesn't need them. I, I feel like Oscars <laughs> loves the story. This yes, is Michelle yes. Yeoh. She, Michelle Yeoh is the first Asian yep. to ever be nominated for Best Actress yep. um, ever. Yeah, right. That's to ever crazy. Be nominated. Insane. So I feel like they love they love a story uh, story like that. Yeah. I think it's even more like a bit Oscar baity. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And um, I was saying it would be insane if if Everything Everywhere is the kind of like the sweep movie and they don't give it to her when well, the movie yeah, is like all like so rotating her. around her. It's yeah. it's about her experience. It would be insane yeah. if they did that. That would be kind of it would disappointing. Be yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I do love Kate Blanchett in that. I mean, I think Kate Blanchett could win it deservedly as well. I think I haven't seen two of the movies on that list, but I think every name on it seems to be quite deserving. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. But I do think it's going to be Michelle Yeoh. What are the Yeo. two you didn't see? Uh, I haven't seen Andrea Riseborough yeah. and I haven't seen uh, the other one. I think that's the only one that you haven't seen. That's what it. Was, what were the four? Tar, Blonde, Two Leslie, Fablemans and Everything Everywhere. Yeah, you just oh, right. Okay, sure. Yeah. You out. Oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, minor point. I, I actually think Michelle Williams is the weakest pick on that oh. list. I, I don't. I don't really. Whoa. I think she did a good Whoa. job, but I just She's didn't enjoy in that. her oh, performance no. quite as much. Maybe I'm just like maybe it's just a memory thing. Oh. Yeah, that's it. I hate women. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, I hate every woman on that list, but especially, especially Michelle Williams. Gonna be five she was a mother in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. It just didn't. It didn't grab me in the same way that the other performances did. So, I feel but I also opposite to that. That's so interesting. I, I saw a Michelle. I saw everything everywhere a while ago, so maybe I'm unfavorably comparing it because it's more recent. I don't know. Sure. I kind of don't think that Michelle. I think Michelle Yeoh was good in everything everywhere, mm. but I don't think it was. I, I it didn't sweep me away as being like, man, this is an amazing performance. Maybe because I've seen her in stuff where she's always good, and so like, mm. I, I I don't know, but like. I think I find it hard. It's a bit... Sometimes the performance is a little bit goofy because the film kind of requires that. And I think she did that well, but I do find that hard for my tastes Mm. to account for like a good performance. I feel like she's doing a lot. Like she has to bring a lot to that movie because it is the goofy, but it's also the serious. Very serious. It's the action. It's the frustration. Yeah, you're right. And playing the different kind of versions of herself and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a challenging performance. An understandable nomination for sure. Yeah, definitely. She should be on the list. Yeah. I just don't know. I don't know. It's a hard pick. They're all excellent performances. I think I'm. I think I'm a bit revisionist on my take about Michelle Williams. It's just the performance out of all the ones I've seen that stuck with me the least. Yeah. No, but I was I, just. I think you're probably right. My reaction was more like I less. felt like I came out of the movie going like that was a performance that resonated the most, and mm. then the others. <laughs> I did really like her character actually. Yeah. She's so different in it as well. Like I just haven't seen her do something like that. before. Yeah, I just haven't seen her in that much recently. Maybe it's because I don't know right. her as well. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. Anyway. Cool. Best <laughs> buddy um, actor. Uh, Brendan Gleeson in Banshees of Insurance and mm. Barry Keoghan. Keegan? Barry Keegan in Banshees of Insurance. I think someone said Keoghan. 
And so I'm going to run with that. All right. Ba- ba- that guy, Barry <laughs> and Barry. Brendan from Banshees, both great. Mm. Uh, Judd Hirsch in Fablemans. <laughs> That's a wild nomination. Kiwi he's in that movie for like three minutes. Crazy. It's fucking crazy. And he's like, good. It's genuinely good three like minutes. three minutes. Yeah. I don't know how long that scene is, but probably like three to five. Yeah. I saw a video of crazy. like- um, It is a great scene. It's probably my favorite scene. That's great scene. But yeah. Wild I, nomination. I saw a video of like um, people who have gotten- uh, uh, an Oscar for the least amount of screen time yes. in a movie, and it was famously Anthony Hopkins, right? In Anthony Silence Hopkins was one, but I think the one that was the least was like whoever it was that played. Oh, this sucks this. now. But it was a like Queen Victoria or the first Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, it was, or it was like movie. a '60s thing or something. Right, right? Some, yeah. some movie where like some actress minutes. played a queen for like five minutes in a big long movie, and she got the best supporting actress. Right, for that's it. interesting. Crazy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and Brian Tyree Henry in Causeway. Yep. Yeah. So those, out of those five. Both of those cunnies and banshees of Inner Sharon would be incredible. Mm. I think. Oh, I don't know. I wonder. I always wonder when two people are nominated from the same movie. Number one, pretty incredible. Yeah. That yeah. like that they couldn't even pick between the two. Yeah. And forty percent of the nominations are for the same movie. Yeah, exactly. And, and also, like, I, I wonder if that makes you more or less competitive about it. You know, if you're like, if if Barry Keoghan's like, well, obviously it would be fucking great if Brendan Gleeson got this. Yeah. And Brendan Gleeson's like, oh, power to him. I think it makes you less disappointed if you miss out to your. Coaster. Yeah, I think yeah. that would be. I think that would still be pretty because cool. Usually it's like frowned upon for a film to be putting forward both because right. it's like you're kind of cancelling out each other by not just giving one for everyone to focus on. Mm. But it seems but like a more common thing at the moment. Like I everything's think, yeah, done the same as well. Every single mm. member of that main cast is nominated. Yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. Including his sister <laughs> and yeah, Carrie. Yeah, those three main Yeah, guys. Carrie Condon, who I would love if she won. I yeah. really, yeah, that would really be like cool. her on screen. Out of those, I would love Kiwi Kwan. I mean, I'm a big, yeah. big fanboy. I would just love Kiwi He's gonna Kwan. He's going to win it. He is yeah. so wholesome. Same reasons as Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> yeah, he's so wholesome and so thankful in every single interview he does. Um, he fucking thanks Steven Spielberg every single chance he gets, which is like, shut the fuck up, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, are you name dropping? Like, chill. He's, he's Steven so Spielberg's sweet. only fan left. I reckon, um, actually, just <laughs> wow. quietly, like, I think that might be my, uh, my pick of Brendan uh, for The Whale. Yeah. Because the, the Hollywood, like, apology for what well, happened to him. Might kick in a weird development with that. In that, like, that seemed like the sure pick, like yeah. a lock until the whale barely got anything else. I know, in the Oscars, it's really and that's weird. kind of made it rocky. And the weird thing that might make Austin Butler win is um, Lisa Marie Presley recently passed away. So if people true. are feeling a little sentimental about that. Yeah, yeah. I think mm. also like Darren Aronofsky, his movies are actually kind of weird movies. Yes, yeah, that is his thing, and yeah. so like. I feel like it's like yeah we love Brendan Fraser but if he's in this admittedly I haven't seen some weird fucking Darren Aronofsky movie maybe people are like oh I love this until they go and actually watch it like oh this is a fucking weird my sense is that this one is a lot less weird than like Mother but Mm. yeah I I, I agree I don't know anyway it just occurred to me we didn't talk about that but obviously this is Brendan Fraser's like big return to Hollywood and he's getting heaps of recognition for it he did win Golden Globe I think he did win Golden Globe and similar to Kiko Kwan he's just kind of like really sweet and people love seeing his reactions to it it kind of tears up anytime someone compliments him yeah exactly (laughs) like you just feel for the guy really wonderful oh yeah he had the acceptance speech he Mm. did win a Golden Globe yeah I would be happy with out of I mean I haven't seen Causeway with Brian Tyree Henry and I haven't seen The Fablemans but out of Mm. those other three I'd be happy if any of those guys won I think Barry uh, Keoghan has like one of my favorite scenes uh, the in any movie scene. down by yeah. the lake yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the lake yeah. Mm-hmm. like my favourite scene if you in know you know <laughs> all year so yeah. I mean I wasn't there goes that dream I wasn't particularly yeah I wasn't particularly stunned by his performance 
again, he always just plays weird little freak dudes. <laughs> and I think he's like always very good at playing weird little freaks. I think yeah. he leaves. I think he deserves the nom because he leaves such an impression on you with any character mm. he does. Yeah. I think it's amazing what he's doing on screen. I think my picks, but are- I don't understand it. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I, think my, I think my picks are Brendan Gleeson or Kiwi Kwan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Good picks. Yeah. All right, best supporting actress, just quickly. Yeah. Uh, Angela Bassett in Black Panther. Uh, yeah. Hong that's, Chow. Laura that's, reckons that's a sure It's going to win. But yeah. I haven't seen Wild. it. So. Okay. People love Angela Bassett. Yeah. Hong Chow forever. in The Whale, which again, I haven't seen. Yep. Carrie Condon, who is... Uh, the Banshees of Incheren. The Banshees of Incheren, the, the sister of the Colin Farrell character. Yep. Jamie Lee Curtis in Everything Everywhere <laughs> All at Once, which is weird. Again, weird. a crazy I nom. Weird. That should be on the list. Weird. <laughs> yeah. weird nom. Very silly character. Um, oh, and also Stephanie Sue yeah. uh, for Everything that's Everywhere. That's the one they should have focused on. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think it's very I mean, weird that Jamie Lee Curtis is there. Yeah. Both of them, I guess. Like, so that Stephanie didn't get like butted out. That would yeah. have sucked. This is the exact opposite of what I was just talking about. If Jamie Lee Curtis wins and I was Stephanie, I would be fucking mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, fucked. and there's also some like significant snubs in that category mm. that people are quite mad about. I can't remember her name, but there's this movie Till that people thought was a lot. Oh, yeah. That's and what, right. fuck, what was the other one? There's like, is there anything in women women talking? Yeah, or a lot of the women talking cast has yep. just got nothing there. Yeah. So oh, well. there's already five women Strange. talking on the list. <laughs> it's, yeah. Mm. Shut up, women. Sorry. Yeah. And the three of us gabbing like girls right here, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> that's no. the, I promise that's the last women talking joke on this podcast. And it was the first one. Yep. I get one. I don't care. It makes me laugh every time. Yep. I had to edit last week's episode and I had to for for whatever reason I had to go through and edit a specific bit three times. Uh, and we made like a dumb hack women talking joke and oh, I yeah. heard it three times and I laughed three times <laughs> and I think it was my joke. Yeah, okay. Wow. Yeah. 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 She um, said hasn't got anything, huh? <laughs> Great. Do you guys want to do screenplays quickly? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, best original screenplay is Banshees. Such a more important category okay. this year. Banshees, Everything Everywhere, Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness. So cool. All bangers. So cool. All good. I mean, Bang really, Fablemans? Wall-to-wall. You haven't really talked about Fablemans. It's Fable great, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's like the least schlocky. I, I think it's incredible that Spielberg managed to do an autobiographical, uh, fictionalized tale of his own childhood, and it's not overly schmaltzy. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, I'm um, keen to hear it's about It's kind it. of like a really- Kind of sad. It's, yeah. And it's got some really like nuanced family drama stuff that happens. Like his parents are very flawed people that have a very strange marriage. I've, I've it's heard- great. Multiple people have said, because Steven Spielberg is famous for, like, doing movies that, like, really emphasize, like, the sort of family unit and, like, yeah. the emotional connection between, like, really nice, strong, wholesome families. And I've heard people say, like, you watch this and you go, like, oh. <laughs> that was yeah, his it fantasy. Is, like, E.T. <laughs> makes sense. Stone. Yeah. yeah. Um, out of that, I mean, this is one where I, I think I'd probably defer to you, Laura. I don't think I have a very good way of recognizing when the part of the movie that is the top tier good bit is maybe like the direction Mm. or like something artistically visually about it or the performance or the screenplay. I find it hard to sort of recognize like, oh, the bit in that that was good is the direction or the bit in that that was good is the editing or the screenplay. Sure. When it comes to these, is there a specific one that jumps out to you as being like, I don't know, doing the stuff that you've done in film, like yeah. all the screenplay and that they one all specifically. Because kind of really well. like, for example, yeah. Everything Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. My initial impression is like, maybe the thing I like about that most is the visuals and the silly sort of plot imaginative stuff. Yeah. And then maybe there the screenplay go. specifically could just be, you could tell me it's serviceable and I'd believe it. <laughs> I've actually started reading that screenplay um, 
which I feel like is relevant, but it's just, it. I feel like when something like Everything Everywhere, when I go like, damn, that must have been a great screenplay, is like noticing how much it's doing, but also still getting you to care and follow along. Like, I feel like it's that's a big, like, over-the-top movie, but you know yeah. what the story is the whole time. You never get lost. I feel like that's screenplay. Maybe the feelings is more directing. I mean, it's different for each movie as well. Yeah. Something like Tar as well, which I'm sure we'll get into later, but, like, to me, that's a lot of the screenplay doing a lot of work there. I think it's a combination... Yeah, I agree. I think it's a combination of, this, like, what happens, like, the plot, and I, I think I would probably put three things on it. I would put the plot down, like, is, the, is literally what happens interesting? Yeah. Mm. And the idea, like, that creativity from everything everywhere of, like, it's the multiverse concept and yeah. all that kind of stuff. That's super interesting. Then you've got the character arcs yeah. that happen across the whole thing, mm. which obviously, like... And that's the thing. Every, every script in this category has these things really uniquely and interestingly yeah so that it's the character arcs it's the plot and it's the sentence to sentence writing of the characters i think that gets you so like martin mcdonald's martin yeah. mcdonald's for example every line in that is perfect every line is he's such a master craftsman of dialogue yeah and even especially in this case like irish dialogue you know what i mean yeah. which i think obviously i would credit the actors with at some point as well but um I wouldn't say, like, that's such an imaginative setting. It's a very, like, clever and cute setting on the island and in a historical context. But it's not doing something as, like, vast as, you know, um, as uh, Everything Everywhere is doing. Mm. But he's kind of mm. making up for some of that ground with... That's, that's, yeah, right. The, w- with the dialogue. I Sorry. suppose that's interesting, because you were saying, like, in Everything Everywhere, you're right, I hadn't thought about that. The fact that, like, they had this multiverse concept that they have to communicate in a way that doesn't get the audience lost. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah, really interesting and it does such that really a hard well. balance. Yeah. Did Dune win screenplay last time? Adapted? I think so. I feel like it didn't, but it was nominated for Did, it. I think uh, that's a good example of why. All right. Don't so remember, that's not worth looking at. Out of yeah. those, my pick is Banshees, just because I literally, I, mm. I think the dialogue is so impressive. And I think the thing that I like the most about it is on paper, you maybe can't necessarily identify like where the jokes are. But they come out yeah. so perfectly, and I'm not going to be able to think mm. of a single example of one from the movie. But like, I feel like there's just it's a, such a very wry, dry, mm. dark sense of humor that yeah. he has, where it all just comes out perfectly, and the comedy and the drama weave so perfectly together. Um, like an example, maybe is one where he says, like, uh, the sister says, like, oh, maybe he just doesn't like you anymore. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of funny. And then when you get like a scene later and he's just like, I just don't like you anymore. And, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. He's really good at setup and payoff. It's wild well. that that's a joke. It yeah. doesn't really sound like a joke. And it's wild. I that found he's- in that, like a lot of the jokes were like, just when he would not fucking get the point and he would try again. Like the joke is him walking to the other guy's house and you're like, stop fucking walking to this house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just give up, mate. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, out of those, I hope Banshees wins. I, if anything, mm. if fucking everything everywhere gets clean sweeps, everything yeah. else, Banshees, I th- oh man, so good. I think that's strong. I'd love Tar to win, to be honest. I was going to say Tar. Also, yeah. I mean, my, like, my personal vote could potentially be Triangle because... That's yeah, an insane it's script. so good. Insane and script. And also incredibly funny. Like, I think that was probably, for me, as funny as Banshees. 
Yeah. I, yeah, I reckon I laughed Potentially as much. funnier for me. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So enough. anyway, okay. all of those wall-to-wall bangers. Yeah. Unlike Happy this next anything. category. <laughs> okay, adapted. So yeah, there's a few stupid. adapted screenplays on here where <laughs> I'm annoyed. category. It's a very stupid category. <laughs> stupid <laughs> nominations. Glass Onion 2. Sure. Yeah. So, sorry, so, sequels, nice. so listeners, sequels automatically have to be in this category. Yeah. So that's crazy. So, yeah. uh, so Knives Out 2, Glass Onion. Is yep. apparently an adapted screenplay because yep. it's nominated here. Top Gun sequel, Maverick yeah. is in here. It's a and uh, also, it like not a good screenplay. It's sorry, fine. like it's dumb. It's yeah. fine, but it's it, 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 but it's dumb. Yeah. I was so bored in that movie. I cannot the believe last that that minutes. script is up for an Oscar. Oh, yeah. Sorry, being bored in the last thirty minutes is dumb. No, That's no, stupid. no. I was saying <laughs> you're dumber I, I than the screenplay. Bored until, bored until the thirty, 30 minutes. minutes. Oh, when they start flying around and it's all cool and shit. That's not screenplay. Okay, all quiet in the Western Front, based on the novel. That's fine. That's fine. Based on a real war. What? <laughs> that happened. Uh, Living by yep. Kazuo Ishiguro. Yeah, I haven't heard haven't of this heard one. Of, but it's uh, based that's, on... Is that the Bill Nye one? That's the Bill Nye one. Oh, okay, right. That's oh, the Kurosawa okay, right. one. Yep, yep. So that's based on a Japanese film from 1952. So it's yes. like a remake or whatever. Yep. Um, and then Women Talking, uh, based on a book. Based on uh, women, yeah. Based on women reading. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> she wrote the There's adapted part writing, was when yeah. they talked yeah exactly <laughs> fuck yeah <laughs> fuck I made another one sorry the book's Mine just called better. women yeah, was and Sarah Polly's like <laughs> guys guys Let guys guys talk. guys I have an idea <laughs> women talking and yeah. they were like what, what are these sounds coming out of your mouth what is that yeah, she's like yeah. wow I have so much work the to first do. woman to talk <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's all the ones that I'm emotionally invested in looking at uh, yeah yeah let's call it there yeah okay There's I some saw Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio so if that wins animated oh, yeah. that'd be fine that seems cool. like that's out Marcel and out Michelle. people's favourite yeah but Marcel Michelle Marcel it's, it's cool that it got a nomination yeah. there's a lot, of, like, a lot of A24 stuff in there which people usually give them shit for yeah, not doing oh, anything about. Most confident I am of any winner in any of the minor categories is Avatar Two winning for visual effects. Oh, sure, that's so Hilarious funny. Hilarious if it doesn't get it. It's so funny that any other movie with any VFX came <laughs> out this year because mm. you would just be fucking fuming. Well, like Top Gun. James Cameron spent thirteen years. In an underground cave, yeah. with like uh, like holding the wetter people at gunpoint, being like, genetically perfect shit. blue people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah, he actually invented the Navi. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so I think th- every fucking other film is just hopeless. Not that I've seen these other ones, but mm-hmm. if Top Gun Maverick won that, that I think that would be fine. The Top I Gun Maverick effects, didn't, what, visual what effects. VFX stuff did they you think do? That would they be really fine? just flew the planes. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about that movie. <laughs> All right, fine, 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 fine. Okay, fine. Um, so, uh, film out of this one that I'm interested in. Three or four. If I think if VFX artists that worked on that film listen to what I just said. They would just immediately <laughs> die. <laughs> Roger Deakins is nominated this year for yeah. a film for called Empire of Light. Yeah. That's Sam Mendes' new film. So that's the same writer, uh, same writer director as 1917 that he worked with him yeah, on, and right. also American Beauty. I was specifically impressed. But it's been by getting middling reviews. Yeah, okay, that's mm. why I haven't heard about it. Mm. I was specifically impressed by the sound in Tar, and it's not nominated yeah, for the best sound. That oh, was that's crazy, actually. Yeah, you're great. right. Yeah. It's a big it's, part of it. It's also not nominated for score, but to be honest, I didn't really notice the score in Tar. Well, there as was much. The, that's, we'll there's that thing this. we'll come to about later. How there was a say. whole score written for that movie that's mm. not actually in the film. Mm. Which is very interesting, what? but yes. it did. It has been winning other awards. Yes, yeah. Some I can't remember if it's Golden Globes or different yeah. ones like that, but they nominate the score, which I think is just people kind of going, "The music in that film was good," and yeah. that's not the score. No, but there is kind yeah. of a score in there. Okay, cool. Laura so knows a fair bit about that, so we'll that, ask her about that. later. That's the Oscars roundup. Woo! Big Great. long bumper news da, 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 segment da, 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 for today. Uh, you guys want to do a quick bit of beefness or pleasure? Talk I about some stuff. Love to. That we've been watching in the last few weeks. Yes. Great. That sounds fantastic. Pleasure. 
Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. Pleasure. Business pleasure. Pleasure. Business pleasure. 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 And then we re- we parrot that back to you guys, but also yeah, in the last like few we weeks, made that. that's right. <laughs> we like we did that. That's our idea. <laughs> that's also, mine. Also, in the last few weeks, we've been we've been watching stuff for fun. Mm. We finished watching it. We're like, oh. and I don't have to tell you shit about that. That's my time. That's you're for right. me. But then I did you that finish it, and you're like, you know what? I could I could be convinced to talk talk to the yeah, listeners. Yeah, I'm this in one. a generous mood. That's right. So, so that's nice what this segment you. is. Yeah, it is. Thank We're you. You're welcome. Giving you the gift of our opinions. On other shit that we've watched that's not tar. <laughs> um, so uh, that's this. Uh, we should call the segment, instead of not fucking tar. Beepless or Pleasure, we should call it Shit That's Not and then whatever film the we're doing that yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> Can it's you hear the music again? <laughs> no. I think it should be tar every time and then other <laughs> shit episodes. Shit that's not tar. tar. It's <laughs> always not tar. <laughs> what if I rewatch tar? Well, we then you can't Three do years it. from now, we'll forget that that's what the segment's called and <laughs> the music will be like, Stuff that's not tar, stuff that's not tar, ba 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 ba, stuff that's not tar. And you'll be like, I rewatched tar. Anyway, uh, shall I? Can I go first? No. No. Damn. <laughs> As you were. Go All ahead. Right. Um, so the last episode where we properly did beefness or pleasure was a few weeks ago. So we didn't do it when Pat was on to yeah. talk about Avatar. So we've watched a whole bunch of shit. As I mentioned before, I watched the menu. We've touched on it before. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Would you recommend? Did you enjoy it? Uh, yeah, I think it was fun. I think the first half of the menu, it was like it was just like the best episode Bond of Chef's Table you've ever seen. It was like fuck, I want to go to this restaurant. Yeah, and you like said the, very, the food cinematography was great. It was so cool and so like it, it literally was like this is a cool idea for a restaurant. Yeah, mm. and I feel like the bear does that food cinematography mm. type stuff well as well. Was yeah. it like that? The bear's bear. Uh, yeah, sort of. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. so then and then mm. when it goes, it literally, it literally looks like a um uh, uh like an episode of like a fancy documentary about a, a, a restaurant. Or whatever. Mm. So mm. that bit's cool. Uh, but then when it starts to go off the rails and be like, okay, this is like the crazy premise of the movie where the chef has kind of gone a bit nuts. Um, it doesn't nearly do as much as I was expecting it to do. Mm. I thought it was right. going to go properly crazy. And in my opinion, it kind of doesn't. Okay. And then the justification for what he's doing and why I thought just kind Flimsy. of felt a bit doesn't bullshit. Land. And it yeah. doesn't really land. So um, Yeah, you've seen it too, right? I have. Yeah, it's true. Nice. Uh, kinda like, true. I'm, I'm glad I went to see it, but... Uh, not crazy about it. So I wanted to touch on that briefly. It's kind of disappointing considering the caliber of cast. Yeah. 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 And like, yeah, I I thought it was like a bit goofy sometimes when I think it didn't need to be. And like it was a a lot of... Like quippy or like story No one felt like a real person. That was my like immediate problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, right. And so there was a lot of situations where it was trying to create this feeling of menace in the movie mm. or like, oh, these guys are in danger. But the film is silly enough. But your characters like, are cartoon characters. Yes, they can't be in real threat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But so touching that briefly, I didn't want to um, talk about it too much, but I just to give it a brief pass because I realized, mm. man, it's been ages. I didn't talk about that. The film that I watched recently that I fucking loved and is my favorite film of last year is The Banshees, the Banshees. of Inner Sharon. <laughs> yeah, I've got that on my Fuck list yeah. too. Great. 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 
call him Sonny Larry. Didn't you? He used to be the best of friends. We're still the best of friends. No, you're not. Who says we're not? I said somewhere else. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. Well, you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. Did you like me yesterday? Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite. It was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. Can we talk about we this briefly? We probably should have done a full lap on it because of how much everyone loved this movie. Yeah. We, we, all seen it. we all saw it together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but Do at the, we? No, I didn't see it with you guys. Whatever. We all, we've mom. all seen it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Shout out to mom. Um, so, uh, directed by Martin McDonough, the same guy who did In Bruges. Uh, Seven Psychopaths. Seven Psychopaths and, and Three Billboards. Three billboards. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time that Colin Farrell and Brandon Gleeson have been reunited in a film together since In Bruges, which is like 12 years ago or something. Beautiful. Such a fun wholesome, sad, <laughs> dramatic vibe of a movie. It's set in the 1920s on a fictional island mm-hmm. off the coast of Ireland somewhere. Called Inishirin. Um, called Inishirin. And it stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson as two friends who hang out after work every single day to get a beer. And one day, Brendan Gleeson's character decides that he doesn't want to be friends anymore with no real reason or justification given. is just like, fuck off and don't ever talk to me again. Yeah, uh, and it's this sort of small town vibe in the twenties, and so there's not really much to do other than talk to people and like <laughs> the um, it's it's all and just drink. about yes. yeah, and drink. And so it's, it's all about the dynamic moments. between these two guys, and I think that the thing I liked about it the most is this exploration of like, um, it's not too much of a too much of a spoiler. You find it within the first act that like Brendan Gleeson's character is basically like I kind of think that our friendship is holding me back a bit, and I have yeah. all these like unfulfilled dreams, and I'm this old man, and I love music, and I I, I love all these different things and all these different passions. He plays just, violin and he yeah. wants to compose. He's stuff like I kind of feel like just hanging out uh, hanging out after work every day and just drinking with you is kind of just like I'm pissing my life away, mm. and so. Uh, I don't want to be friends with you and I feel like that's what's going to make me successful. And I just think that the that the way that it explores his idea of like um, blaming other people for him not having fulfilled his mm. aspirations or goals or dreams mm. or just, just this just way where he's saying like he just tries to put the blame on everyone else and he delivers this ultimatum halfway through the movie where he's like, if you keep talking to me, I'm going to do this crazy thing. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. the way in which... He sort of plays that as like, well, Colin Farrell, look what you made me do. This is your fault. Where he's just like, he is the architect of his own destruction, his like lack of ambition and his lack of drive. And I think it's, I found it really interesting to sort of explore this like human thing of like wanting to put that on other people. And also, it's really funny and it's got a donkey in it. It does. Yeah, it does. And a dog. Yeah. It's, um, it's, uh, I I think. The, the the characters in it are beautifully flawed in a way where the problem or the situation that each character finds themselves in is very modern, even though it's sort of set in a historical setting. All of the characters are really flawed in really interesting and funny ways, but also uh, it's like I wouldn't say that I am supportive of like Brendan Gleeson's approach, mm. but I can understand his anxieties and his fears that are driving him to yeah. that negative approach you completely get where he's coming and from. also i can understand colin farrell's perspective where yeah. he kind of like won't leave a scab alone yeah yeah and he he just he's too he, he's too uh 
What's the fucking persistent? word? Persistent, thank you. For yeah. his own good. But I understand why, because he's curious like and needs and to solve a problem. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And insecure about answer, it too. Really. No, yeah, exactly. So I I think that's fantastic and it feels like a very modern uh, problem. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, I've been friends with people that I've decided I don't really want to be friends with anymore for various reasons. And so I could kind of see how that might make them feel, which I'd obviously already thought about, but it, I yeah. think it's just a very relatable story from both sides. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that McDonough managed to ride the sympathy towards each character depending on what happens. Mm. Yeah. But I also think you're right. I think it's really interesting that Brendan Gleeson's character is so... Uh, he externalizes the blame for all of these things. Yeah. And he almost hates the fact that he's, it's so late in his life that he's having these it's, problems. He's I like hanging out with all these students and like <laughs> yeah. trying to like recapture some He's obsessed lost. with legacy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm. I thought about like the setting a lot because I, I do remember thinking that it did feel like a very modern concept. Like, mm. or it's so specifically like he lives with his sister, there's no like relationship questions or subplots or anything yeah it's very simple and i I thought like if it was set in i I feel like the reason he said it where it is and when is that it is that like part where there is simply nothing else to do yeah like that's all he has in his life it's like your friend you're forced to to confront relationships and articulate them and communicate them in a way that reminds me i think i read this somewhere because he's he's with Phoebe Waller Bridge now, Absolutely. and I think Insane he went through a divorce couple. a few yes. years ago. Yes, and so I he think say that, that maybe I'm projecting on this, but you could see this as being like a good way of doing like a a breakupy, divorcey kind. That's of what movie. he calls it. He says right. it was like his way of writing about a breakup, but he didn't want it to have to be about a relationship specifically. I think it's so cool, exactly, because it's a good way of like universalizing this like breakupy, divorcey thing and sort of yeah. depersonalizing it a bit and making it like. Dealing with those emotions that are so strong and so, like, um, so, so, like, yeah, they're so strong in a really platonic way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because it's like, it's like, Taking away all the sort of the romance and the heart out of it almost, and being like just just dealing with it as like two friends that just have to communicate. Why don't they want to be friends anymore? Yeah. And like boiling like relationships down to like their core element like that, I found really interesting. I was yeah, like I feel like that's comes from the setting is like if it was modern, like even with I think what we relate to with things in our own lives where we've had to do that with a friend or a friend has done that to us, you have other things going on like other distractions, other right. things to rely on. The pure, like, his, Brendan Gleeson's character's simple idea of, like, I've just, I'm, I'm allowed to decide that this changes for me. Yep. It yeah. changes everything of Colin Far- Farrell's character, which I feel like is the beauty of that setting, the simple mm. setting, and also the kind of ironic fact that they could just leave and go to the mainland. Um, but they, yeah. he, they kind of both subject themselves to their problems of like, well, I can't do anything else about this. Yeah. And it's such a like kinetic That's their world. script because of how simple it is, I yeah. feel like. Immediately, yeah. within the first like two scenes, it tells you what's happening. It's like, this guy doesn't want to be his friend anymore. And the whole movie is just all the different iterations of what they both try and do about that. Mm. And and it's so like, you're never bored of that. Like it's because you then ask like wondering, well, has he tried this? Maybe he does need to be more stubborn about it. Maybe he should just give up. Yeah. Oh, but his life kind of sucks if he does that. <laughs> like, yeah. It, well, it's it makes so it does it sells you on the fact that it's so important to him yeah. that he is not capable of giving it up. Yes, mm. it's yeah. just it's that's it's so sewn into who he is that it, he would be a different person if he were able to just yeah, it's life altering. S- take 
take it and go. Yeah, you know? apparently Martin McDonagh Which I really didn't, love. He didn't like do a treatment for it or anything or sort of do a, a structure. It. So he sort of wrote it chronologically right. as he was coming up with the ideas for it. And so like the ultimatum that Brendan Gleeson delivers halfway through the movie, yep. he didn't have a specific plan for where that was yeah, going to go. He cool. was just like, oh, this would be a crazy thing to put in yeah, right. at this point. That's and just nuts. sort of kept brainstorming. Great movie. Definitely worth seeing. I think by the time this comes out... Um, we saw it in the cinemas, but I think by the time this comes out, it's definitely going to be out of the cinemas unless it wins Oscars mm. again. So, yeah. um, definitely go see it. Uh, such a funny, fun movie with so much heart uh, that I... Oh, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. Loved I, I, saw, it. I saw Highly it when I really really needed to see it. So yeah. It yeah. Um, that's probably the, the only movie I wanted to talk about. I don't know if I robbed something from you there, but do you want to just... No, I also had Banshees on my list. Nice. I'll, I'll quickly go next. Um Super quickly, I'll rattle through these. Um, I watched the first episode of The Last of Us TV series. Oh, yeah, shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having a weird experience with that because I've played all of the games and I think it's putting me in a very strange headspace. I enjoyed it ever so slightly less than I expected to. I think I accidentally listened to too much of the hype around it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you watching I'm this hoping well, Laura? Yes, but I've, I've not played it at all, so I'm having a very yeah. different experience to Andrew, yeah. which is yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I, uh, I'm assuming that it will get better as it goes along. I think I'll have a better experience the more it diverges from the games if it does that mm. um it's undeniably well made a mm. big difference that someone on another Careful podcast we listened to was spoilers. talking about that's fine okay. a big difference um is that in the video game the virus is airborne and there are mm. spores that you can breathe in and get the virus that way and so the characters are like wearing gas masks and stuff for mm. like a lot big check chunks of the video game in this they make a point of showing that the virus is not airborne and it's spread through like the tendrils in their mouth. And then there's that bit where there's like um, in the second episode where like the tendrils go like. Yeah, I know. The tendrils like move along the floor and like engulf characters and stuff um, in ways that shows that like the virus is specifically not airborne, which I think is an interesting Mm. change to make. And I thought maybe they did that because they didn't want it to be too much like COVID. They wanted it to be like, this is different. It might also have just literally been like, we don't want to put a gas mask on our character for the whole, the whole yeah. TV I, show. Anyway, I mean, so they we- did. He was the same guy made Chernobyl. So I think it's kind of interesting because there was a lot of like wearing masks and stuff in that. Yeah, yeah. In that I wonder, because well. uh, from my limited knowledge, I know that the opening scene of the first one, that like 60s TV interview, isn't from the game, That's right? That's not at all, yeah. No. Yeah. And the and whole I game know, is in Joel's perspective yeah, specifically. So anything sure. you see in the TV show that. Um, isn't doesn't have Joel in it. Yeah, yeah. For the show. Yeah. Well, you also play as Ellie, but yeah. Um, yeah. I f- and in knowing Chernobyl and knowing Craig Mason's way into that was thinking about climate change, and he makes a very immediate point about that with that interview scene. Yep. I feel like a lot of those little changes, again from a limited perspective of like not really knowing what's being changed, feels like it's motivated in tying it into that more, like because yeah, he sure. immediately says like how this virus is going to happen and it's because of climate change and it's the fungus thing. I feel like he's just yep. trying to like yeah. really ground that It's cool. More. Yeah. Mm. I'm sorry. So you're so not enjoying it just, just because you I wouldn't say I'm not enjoying it. it. I just think I had... I, I, I don't like having my expectations for stuff raised mm. and I think they were in this case. So, that does suck. Um, I, I'm I, like, I'm going to keep watching it and I'll give it more of a chance. It's coming out weekly, which is annoying because I'd much rather binge yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I will, I will definitely watch it. I think for anyone who hasn't played the game and for most people who have highly recommend. It's, it's been long enough. That, yeah, it's yeah. great. And it's been long enough that I had sort of forgotten a lot of the like what mm. happens. more finer points of what happens mm. in the first game, which is what they're following. I think I just think. had such an emotionally resonant experience with both of those games. I played the first one at like a, 
very strange emotional point in my life where I needed to be in another world really, really, really completely. And so I just sort of like sat on my couch for three days and that was all that I did. And with the second one, I made a conscious choice to set aside an entire long weekend and just play that game. I think Mm. I I finished it in one weekend and it's like probably a 40 hour game. So I think both times I've been in that world, it's been like a transformative experience for me where I have just like set everything else aside and lived in that world for like three days, six days. And I don't really think I need the show. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's just not... It's not ticking any boxes that the games didn't already tick well, for me. it's not like you can spoil stuff for yourself in the show. So, you could just wait and just watch it in one big block at some point. Uh, I'm worried about missing things where they... Like, the airborne stuff where they do move away from it. So, I'm definitely going to watch it. I just think... I don't know. I, I think it's just something that inherently comes from... Yeah. Like, a comparison to such yeah. a positive experience. So, I'm not criticizing the show at all for that. Yeah. That's just my perspective. What's, what's your take on it as someone who hasn't played the games? Uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah. I, it's weird, like realizing as it goes, the things that I did kind of know about it, but didn't even realize I knew. Like the thing with his daughter and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess I know what the main part of the game is about. Mm. Even something like uh, we watched, I sort of rewatched the first episode when Andrew was watching it the first time, which is a funny way to do that. But it was interesting, like having my own separate experience and then hearing all the differences afterwards but he got me at the end to say like tell me all the things you know about it so i know what to navigate and like not bring up and i thought i'd listed everything and then i watched the second episode and i was like oh that's a thing i knew was gonna happen (laughs) yeah sure so it's it's interesting but it's still like it feels like exciting like navigating it in that way and i'm like trying to really curate like my experience of like just keeping it of like i don't want to know i don't want to know i don't want to know yep. like what is the same shot for shot i don't want to know what's completely different yeah i just want to yeah. know that this works as its own show because it will because it's craig mason that's what i think it should do and anyway, yeah, and yeah sure. i kind of just want to be entertained by that not like anything against the game i'll, I'll probably get to it it's just yeah. i haven't happened to play it or anything yeah I've so spoken kind of to people fun. at work who don't play the games at all either and have also enjoyed the show. It's on yeah. Binge and it comes out in, uh, I think, like Monday nights. Very entertaining. Yep. No, it's Monday at like 1 p.m. <laughs> right, so watch it while it you're is. at work. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, gr- like by all accounts, really excellent show. I think I'm the most cold on it out of anyone that I've heard speak yeah. about it, yeah. which is kind of annoying. I don't like that. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, it's still good. Like, it's definitely good. I'm enjoying definitely. it. Definitely. I think I, it, it looks, the effects are so good. I think visually mm. it's stunning. And I think the performances, they're, they're nailing it so far, yeah. in my opinion. Yep, yep. Yeah. Did you want to talk briefly about Fablemans? Yeah, that's, that was next on my list. Oh, so, cool. um, Fablemans, uh, I guess I'll probably leave anything notable out so that you can watch it because I think you'll probably enjoy it. Dismiss what he does. It's playful or imaginative. You could afford to be a little encouraging. She should have been the concert piano player. What she got in her heart is what you got. You can't just love something, you also have to take care of it. It's more important than your hobby. Can you stop calling it a hobby? Mom got a monkey. Why'd you get a monkey? Because I needed a laugh. You always have to be the center of attention. Stop shouting at her! That has been nothing but disrespect from you! I'm your mother! Family art. It'll tear you in two. You stop making movies, it'll break your mother's heart. I don't know what to do anymore. You do what your heart says you have to. 
was your favorite part? It's an auto, like I said earlier, it's an autobiographical story about Steven Spielberg and kind of like him as a young child and how he got inspired. So it starts off with him quite young, like six or seven, and, yeah. then, it's, the and then he's a teenager. Not literally named like Steven Spielberg. Uh, well, it's Stephen Fableman. Stephen no, Fableman. It's not Stephen. Oh, so it's, it's, just it's like, like <laughs> Simon Fableman. It's like or everyone knows it is, but the it's film him. doesn't exist. Is his name Eddie or something? Uh, maybe uh, I don't remember. Sorry, Anyways. I didn't mean to derail you. No, it's a self—it's self, a self-insert to the point where they well, one of the worst decisions I've seen made in a film in recent history, which is that they got the main character to wear contact lenses to make his eyes more yeah, like Steven Spielberg, but they but don't. So that's it's what really I'm fucking confused weird. about because it's kind of also on purpose not that biographical. Like I would say, yeah, he does things elemental. that rhymes with his experiences, but aren't like. This is exactly what happened to me. Like, yeah. there was a kind of joke headline about it where his, like, high school friends were like, he didn't have a girlfriend in high school. And it's like, that's it's not the point. But, yeah, yeah. that's funny, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. it's, uh, uh, like, yeah, semi-autobiographical yeah. or, like, this term that's getting thrown around a little bit, which we were talking about, which is, like, an emotional autobiography. Yeah, or emotional like biography. Emotional biography. But the context thing is weird. I'll, I agree with that. I hated that choice. It but anyway, took me out of it a lot. I'm already talking way more about Sorry. that than I should because <laughs> I didn't really notice it. But, yeah. Um, so, I assume it's set in, like, the 60s or the 70s or something. Yeah, whenever he was born. Um, and so it sort of starts off with him, like, you know, getting a Super 8 or whatever type mm-hmm. of camera it is and then, like, you know, like record, making brownie. his own little home movies. The first, it shows, like, the first movie he ever watched and then how he tries to replicate it at home and mm. he's obsessed with it and his parents are initially worried and then they start supporting his pursuits. But really it's more about his family, the relationship of his family unit, his parents' marriage, which starts kind of, like, cracks start appearing for various reasons. Um I think the cast is fantastic. I think the story is really good. I it might be my favorite Spielberg that I've ever seen. Whoa. Is it mostly maybe just not? But Whoa. and I haven't seen too many well, of his. Uh, true. But it's doing <laughs> such a completely different thing. I think there's like you know there's kind of two types of Spielberg movie, right? There's like the your ET or even like your Jaws, which is like spectac- spectacular action, mm. uh, popcorny movie, and then there's like the the is the, the post of Spielberg, right? The post. Then there's like Schindler's the, List. Yeah, exactly. Those kind Jurassic of ones, like summary, um, dialogue. Kind of yeah, and I guess yeah. the bridge between those two is kind of saving Private Ryan, but um, much more serious, much more like meditative stuff. This fits more into the ET realm because it's mm. a it's a coming of age story, but it has the realistic weight of some of his other uh, less whimsical films. Yeah, I mean, which I, I really enjoyed. I do love a coming of age story. It's and a I really good great one. one. I do love a movie set in that sort of sixty. Yeah, 70s I think you'll era. really enjoy it. And it's it. not as much. I feel like people. Maybe it weren't turned off, but sort of wrote it off as like, oh, this is obviously going to be like a love letter to movies and movie making. Mm. But I feel like what surprised me about it all, like the thing that I'm most interested in is he kind of expresses what he's worried about with his relationship to movies. Yeah, yeah. Which is so interesting to see in the different stages of his life. Like, What do you mean what he's worried about? So there's I kind of want to spoil the, it. Yeah, the, the, the thing. scene with Judd Hirsch, I, basically he gets a warning at a point um, I do, if you don't want to spoil it, that's fine. It's I would not say really like, a spoiler. It's more just like that. He's. I think he expresses in different, in various ways, like how he's come to film as a coping mechanism for different problems in his life. Right. And instead of so much being like a just nostalgia, like film is amazing, and I miss sixteen millimeter or whatever. Like it's more just like very personally. I've used film in this way in my life for these relationships in my life, and. And I think he, it's not like a nostalgic looking back. He's like, 
was that the right move as I grew up? Was did, was I approaching mm. those problems in my life in a way? It was the film like the barrier stopping me from actually like you know connecting with that the way I should have. Yeah, I think that's it's not answering the question, but it's kind of it is posing the question of like what what it what you have to sacrifice and the trade off that comes from being so passionate about yeah. making these films yeah. and what um, what artistic. Uh, how how much your passion for this pursuit can isolate you from yes. other people that yeah. you love and your yeah, family. Yeah, cool. Members. Okay, I'll, I'll see it. Great. I'll yeah, see so, it. so cool. it's really compelling. Um, and I... It's got a shitload of noms. Zero schmaltz, yeah. um, which I just have a low tolerance threshold for. Um, and I just really, really <laughs> liked it. I was laughing a lot. The casting is surprising, but Seth so Rogen. entertaining. And he wrote <laughs> yeah. the screenplay, I guess, with another guy. Does Stephen Spielberg another another write much? Or is uh, this maybe like if the other he does, guy it's usually co-writing. Yeah. He's yeah. worked with this guy a lot. Um, okay. I think right, he cool. gets in and meddles with the script a lot. Cool. I'll watch yeah. it. Yeah. I feel like we've been talking a lot. Did you want to mention something you've been watching recently? Yeah. I mean, I as I mentioned, I'm the Australian head of marketing for the film After Sun. Think you'll ever move back to Scotland? No. Why? There's this feeling. Once you leave where you're from, that you don't totally belong there again. You okay through there? Don't you ever feel like tired and down and feels like your bones don't work, like you're sinking? Hmm. We're here to have a good time, eh? You know, I want you to know that you can talk to me about anything as you get older, you know? Done it all and you can too. <laughs> Wish we could have stayed for longer. Me too. Um, yeah. After some trailer in there. Yeah. Wow, what a good trailer! I haven't watched it. Don't know. Could be spoiling everything. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just one that I saw at Melbourne Film Festival. Completely on a whim. I just happened to be in Melbourne. It happened to fit in my schedule. And the the only choice I hadn't heard anything about it. I was like, I remember Paul Mescal from Normal People, and I thought he gave a good performance in that. So I'm gonna. That's my choice. Is like, we'll see what else he does. What he can do in a feature film. And then I was like completely blown away by it. It's, I mean, to, I guess the trailer will probably cover it, but it, in a simple way to put it, it's just about a father and daughter on a holiday in Turkey. Um, and it's, it's kind of about memory. It's kind of about looking back or trying to like connect with your parents or thinking about your parents as an adult, as real people, I suppose. Cool. Um, and it's just a really cool film. I kind of, I think at the time I kind of talked about it, like I have no idea if anyone else will if connect with it with anyone else. the way I did mm. and then it's just been so heartwarming like since because that was back in like August to like see the reception that it's gotten and the fact that's why it's like so exciting that he got the Oscar nomination is like it felt like such a little secret film that I saw that like no one well, else might hear about crazy that it has, it's not it hasn't been out since like whenever you saw it and like whatever it's, fucking been, it's come out in America 
like I think that within the last two months, maybe Australia's had a bunch of weird yeah, delays. This we kind of have to go every shit. single time you all have gone to Miff and seen some cool film. I'll be yeah. like, great, I can't wait to see that, and it doesn't come out for like another nine months. Yeah, it yeah. sucks. Yeah, very annoying. So I suppose they don't get like shopped around until after those film festivals. They just got to find Australian distributors, and that's a real it's fucking a, problem yeah, and stuff. And they're right. like, kind of, I don't know if it's. They're probably True waiting for other bigger mm. festivals. They think that we won't watch it until it's had that like bigger American or international yeah. release. They're probably right. So do you yeah. think it was was it the, the sort of themes and the performances specifically that really stood out to you in our performances? Yeah, themes and I think just the incredible like restraint of the director. It's a debut film. I love debut films. It's an insane debut film. I'm like mad at how good it is for a debut film. I fuck. Mm. I do hate that. <laughs> it's like and you, got, it, you guys might never do a film that good. Yeah, yeah. I won't. You that? She's she's done it. <laughs> Charlotte Wells, never. shout out to her. Mm-hmm. But um, hope she dies. Hope she gets hit by a bus. Yeah, I don't know. I hope she makes hope so can, many like, more films. For I hope me to Laura watch. can <laughs> kill her in some sort of vampire style. She was there as well. You, like, I could have done it. You can like take the power. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, I I was just I if was. If you kill floored. her in like a vampire kind of style, then she'll come back to life and be able to still keep making movies okay. as well. So yeah, I'll wow, consider yeah, that. Right. You get the satisfaction of being able to murder her without losing her. Like a lot of the films would become a bit vampire themed, and I don't know if I want that. The lighting in her films would be a real nightmare from that point forward. But yeah, true. Nothing shot outside of a lot of soundstage stuff. Yeah. Exclusively Marvel Which movies. Which is not what After Sun is, so yeah, that would be a shame. No, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, anyways, Sun, talk about Sun, vampires. Hey! Yeah. Right. Oh, <laughs> that she knows. Um. Yeah. So yeah, right. I, cool. I think you don't want to give. Clearly, you don't want to give away too much about it, which I think is no, because I think part of the experience that I enjoyed so much was having no idea where it was going. Not yep. to say that it particularly takes a big swing or turn or anything, but just yeah, just kind enough. of one of those movies you sit and watch on your own and just kind of live in that world for a bit and cool. let it do its thing. I love a quiet achiever of a movie. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll have to watch it when yeah. it uh, comes out. But highly, highly, highly recommended. But right? yeah, my favourite cool. of last year and probably cool. more than that. If it's any uh, any consolation and what made me more excited for it is just seeing in like Letterbox and Twitter and Facebook comments uh, on the Best Picture it. stuff where people had like two comments they were like why the fuck is Top Gun slash Elvis on this list and where is After Sun yeah so that was me every comment with any luck then she'll sweep the Independent Spirit Awards or something yeah it seems like it it. oh Oh, certainly in the the running for the debut category I feel like um, relevant tidbit for this podcast I just discovered yesterday the composer is the same one for The Stranger and it's the only two films he's composed damn oh that had a great that that had a really good score and use of sound yeah I think After Sun was his first because they they knew oh, they each other through first. Oh, college so or something like that. And right. then, yeah, I guess. The I don't know. Fact earlier. check me on that. But cool. oh, sure. Insane. Yeah, right. Neat. yeah okay. So okay. very keen to see that one. Well, now, uh, do you guys want to listen to the trailer for Tar? Yeah. Let's yeah. Between to 30 seconds and two and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. We'll see how, see how far I can cut it down, I guess. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> if you're here, then you already know who she is. Lydia Tarr is many things. As a conductor, Tarr began her career with the Cleveland Orchestra, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Boston Symphony Orchestra, until she had last arrived here at our own New York Philharmonic. In 2013, Berlin elected Tarr as its principal conductor, and she's remained there ever since. Lydia Tarr has also written music for the stage and screen. She is one of only 15 EGOTs, meaning those who have won all four major entertainment awards. Thank you for joining us, Maestro. Thank you. How's the writing going? 
so well. I keep hearing something. Schopenhauer measured a man's intelligence against his sensitivity to noise. Do you ever find yourself overwhelmed by emotion? Yes. Yes, it does happen. Uh, all right, so uh, back to the, the main event, the the, the main feature of main the show course. is our spoiler-free until we warn you review <laughs> of Tar. We all just went to see Tar the other day, brand new film starring Kate Blanchett, written and directed by Todd Field. Uh, I always just get him and Todd Phillips confused. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, I don't know I whether another this Todd. is officially a 2022 movie or a 2023 movie. I think it's 2022. Two. Okay, great. So just come out at the end of the year or maybe near the year or whatever. It's just come out. Um, <laughs> The premise behind Tar uh, is that Kate Blanchett plays a world-famous classical music conductor. She's the conductor for the, I think, the Dresden or the Berlin, Berlin Philharmonic I Orchestra. Yeah. I think, yeah, the, the Berlin one. Um, German. And <laughs> she, uh, yeah, is, is prolific and well-respected and sort of one of the most successful conductors in the world. But she is sort of being accused throughout the movie of being... Uh, abusing her power. Maybe. Yeah, abusing her power. Yeah. Be, being abusive emotionally and sort of being abusive in terms of the, the power dynamics that she uses to her advantage with the members of her orchestra and sort of employees and assistants and that sort of thing. And so the film kind of focuses... Uh, yeah, on this on sort of a, a problematic artist and sort of mm. fo- focuses on the way in which uh, Lydia Tarr, Kate Blanchett's character, deals with being accused of... Uh, pu- publicly being accused of being abusive. Mm. Uh, and so it kind of focuses on death of the artist, kind of uh, separating art from the artist kind of stuff in interesting ways. And we just watched it a couple of weeks ago. We we're going to break it down. Yeah. yeah. Um, Laura, what was, your, what was your initial impression coming away... Uh, mm-hmm. Coming away from this movie, were you expecting anything? Did it line up with what you were expecting? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, my initial, like the first I heard of it, because I love, um, I love Kate Blanchett. My favorite movie, or one of my favorite movies, is Carol, which is directed by Todd Haynes. And when I first heard of this, I oh, thought it was no. them reuniting. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> got excited. Have and you it seen wasn't. Carol? Yeah, great movie. I have not seen. Oh it, man, it rules. It's, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's He's right. Skyrocketing towards top of my list. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, basically, I was like, well, it's a lead performance from Kate Blanchett. Like, it's going to be good at mm. minimum. And it sounds like it's about something interesting. And I kind of went in just with that knowledge. In the cinema, we were someone, I think it was it you that asked me, like, what's my favorite yeah. Kate Blanchett yeah. performance? And my fucking embarrassing answer Rings. was Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> so I just realized I had not seen her I mean, in that much. She's not bad. She's, she's great, great in it. I think she's awesome. She's just but, done a lot but more. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's a weird pick. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny. I just thought, yeah, I should probably go in on a bunch of her other, yeah. other movies. Yes. Oh, yeah. she's an, I, yeah, she's, she's incredible. Icon for I love hearing her talk about her work as well. She mm. just seems like a fascinating, creative person. Yep. Um, and yeah, and my immediate reaction after seeing this was like, God, I got to see that again. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. How about you guys? Um, yeah, so I hadn't, I didn't know anything about Todd Field. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen... It's his first film in 16 years. Yeah, crazy. He's apparently yeah, been working in the advertising f- industry for the last decade or something. Yeah, and, and also uh, as an actor. Yeah, he's in Eyes um, Wide Shut. He is in Eyes Wide <laughs> Shut. And the 
producer of Eyes Wide Shut, he formed a really connect a real connection with. Yeah. And so I think he's. Uh, I haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut, unfortunately, but I've heard that he is heavily influenced by Kubrick. Yeah. And yeah. this particular producer has helped facilitate a lot of that. So yeah, cool. um, this definitely has a bit of a, like a Kubrickian feel to it, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. Um, but I didn't really know anything about Todd Field. And so I didn't have any expectations. I think I thought, I don't even think I thought it was about a conductor. I think I thought it was about a dancer. And so oh. I was expecting like well, dance fun. choreography <laughs> stuff. Um, Damn. Which obviously, what gave you that? Was it just the poster? Like I think arms? that was it. Yeah, and it <laughs> sounds You're like idiot, maybe bro. the name of a the name of a dance or You're something. Like, yeah. When's she gonna stop fucking around with this orchestra and start following? Well, I did very passion. quickly realize dance. I was like, oh, it's about some music shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I uh, didn't really know anything about it going in, other than the fact that it was Kate Blanchett, and was yeah, really, uh, really blown away. I, I I really loved this this whole movie. Mm. Um, yeah. I I kind of. Can't recommend it enough. I think it reminded me of um, a lot of movies that I really love. It reminded me of Black Swan. Mm-hmm. It's like a really easy touch point. It reminded me of Whiplash. Yep. Uh, but kind of if it was like JK's point of view. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the the JK cut. <laughs> with like an, an Ananda Yanucci thing, sure, especially over yeah. the whole the whole arc of the series where he his, his um, actions come home to roost. And yeah. like House of Cards, I think it's the idea that uh, all of that like abuse of power and pursuit of greatness kind of like smashed yeah. together, which House I really love. House of Cards and Whiplash and Black Swan are great touch points, I think. Yeah, yeah I agree yeah. with that. Thanks. Um, I think I liked it. Um, it's one of those movies for me where, do you ever watch a movie and you're like, I appreciate that this is a good movie, but it's just not firing off mm. the right sort yeah. of fireworks in my brain for me. I feel like that was... I don't know whether I was hungover, but you know that point when you're not hungover, but you just feel flat? Yeah. I was at that point. You just don't want to be watching a movie. A late afternoon 5% hangover where I was just feeling a bit flat, maybe. Maybe I'll cut it up to that. But I think there's just one or two points in this movie where the pacing is a bit slow. Yeah. I was hungover as well, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was so feeling like, great. Yeah, yeah. There's one Plus or two nice. points that were a bit slow. And the pacing was a bit much, like even like the first sure. sequence, for example, where they just, she, it's just like an interview and it kind of felt to me like exposition for like 10 minutes. There's there's, there's enough I scenes that, that were a bit mm. slow for me mm. that it kind of annoyed me. Mm. Yeah. And then I found myself being like actively annoyed in the movie and that detracted from my overall like feeling of like being blissed out with a movie I really liked. But like other than that, like throughout the movie, there were points where I was like, fuck, this is well shot. Mm. Fuck, the sound is great. The performances are great. The writing is great. But mm. there was just enough scenes, one or two scenes that like annoyed me with how yeah. slow and boring they were that it detracted from the overall experience to a degree that I don't think is fair. But yeah. that's I why it- I think I came out of the movie being like, fuck that movie. Yeah. And then the more I thought of that, I was like, oh, actually. <laughs> and we were all like, we love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> the more I like, thought okay. of that, the more I was like, well, I, I, actually, there was a lot to love, but th- these one or two scenes, you, it was the thing with Pat with Avatar. I think I would just, you would have to catch me on a good day to have really liked this movie. Yeah. Sure. I would say it, it requires a bit of patience from its audience or maybe a bit of like blind trust in some areas. And if you, I, I, in thinking about like who I would recommend this movie to, I would base it off like if I believe that would annoy them having to, experience that i wonder if it's normally better to normally yeah so like i think we haven't really talked about what type of movie this is or even like what it feels this is a psychological thriller yeah i think yeah and 
But it's see going into that, I was expecting a psychological thriller, mm. and I got mostly a sort of slow drama yes. about an artist with sort of 10 to 15 percent of the scenes are suddenly psychological thriller scenes with no context well i i'm not sure if i agree with that I, maybe i'm i'm sure that was how you experienced it Very my of experience of it was <laughs> that it didn't i didn't know what type of movie it was going to be until about an hour in and oh. I thought it was kind of a different type of movie. Interesting. There yeah. are a couple of cues that it gives you, which I noticed, yeah. but I wasn't. But I, it, it was sort of. I felt like I was just on a like, not on a journey, but like, it, uh, things were floating around and swirling, mm. and mm. then it took about an hour until it's until I saw its true form. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. Which was which was like paranoid. Uh, conspiratorial thriller, I and I really like that it did that, and that it it took so long of establishing. I think it needs you to buy into. Uh, sorry, the main character's name is Lydia, yeah. so I think it needs you to buy into Lydia's character enough. And I think the first hour is about establishing who she is and how. Uh, reputable she is and the kind of influence that she has mm. and then it starts to show you what she's able to do with that influence and it has yeah. to do all of that so keep in mind like house of cards for mm. example you've got four fucking seasons of television yeah. to be able to do that and so i think very quickly very efficiently this film has to get to the point where you understand how powerful lydia is and the kind of person that she is then it starts showing the fraying it's and interesting the cracking. That you say, like, it starts showing it after a certain point. I almost see it as, like, it's all going on from the start. You just start seeing it after a like, certain I'm sure point. I, I totally it, agree with yeah. you. I'm sure if you watched it a second time. Like, for example, you guys talked about how in the very opening scene, she says, like, oh, I don't read my own press. And then, you like, immediately 15 see her, minutes yeah. later, all, the next scene is, like, her cutting out articles She's about herself. editing her Wikipedia like, page. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, so, so like I didn't really pick up on that as being like yeah I think you have to pay attention to these. She's details. very contradictory. Yeah, I didn't pick up on herself. that lie until later. I think it's the sort of film where you need to be paying attention to it, and you're right, like trust it a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's I the trust. In terms of not talking about what it's like as a movie, I think that's probably fair. So the first, the first act is you sort of seeing what she's like as a person and getting these glimpses into her just being at this a liar in public and really obsessed with her image. And she's also really paranoid about this stuff coming out and this stuff that she knows that she's kind of guilty of becoming public knowledge. And, and it doesn't, like this it's not telling you a lot about what she's done. It's very light touch, hinting that she's yeah. done. There's like a person that she screwed and over. And she kind of has the... Or of just being paranoid in general or like yeah. things really kind of grind her gears. Yeah. Yeah. And... I, lo- I love Neurotic. those bits. So, the, the parody yeah. bits and the thriller bits is where, like, sh- she's running through the park in the evening and mm-hmm. she hears, so- like, a woman screaming. Yeah. God, and that's so good. That bit was so tense and it immediately captures this very emotional sort of sense of paranoia and uh, immediate fear that it never revisits yeah. in a kind of way that's really unsettling. And I thought mm. it was really... And I, I wish the film had done a bit more of that because I enjoyed a lot of that. And so a lot of the film is like her living her life and then having these sudden moments of like paranoia and w- seeing something out of place and being like, how did that get like that? Who was responsible for that? And mm. then that's kind of the, the roller coaster that the film puts you on throughout yeah. it is like her being worried about the stuff that she knows she's guilty of coming out mm. and then sort of being yeah, paranoid so about that's everything. Something interesting as well... I mean, we can get into it in the more specifics, but I, someone, I saw somewhere someone posed the question of like whether she actually knows or how to the ex- what's the extent of what she knows she's doing is bad. 
because some mm. things I think she you you don't get that sense, but she knows that it's just something to cover up. Yes, yeah. which is yes. kind of interesting to just see someone like that operate. My cognition around that, which I really loved that it made me do the work for her, yeah. was that I thought her perspective is going to be, I am morally justified in this behavior, yeah. but other people Won't aren't going to understand yeah. what it really means to me, which is so, that so fits in with the death of the artist thing. Yeah. Um, because she's basically saying, in order to be, like, these people are who they are and they do what they do. So, she talks about, is it Mozart or Beethoven that was like Bach. a... Bach. Bach. sorry. Neither. Idiot. <laughs> that is Third a, one. This guy. Yeah. That's a <laughs> massive misogynist. There's a particular scene, which we can talk about in, in a little bit, that I really love, where she bites someone's head off for being critical of him about that. Or she yeah. basically says, well, that's a stupid fucking criticism. Mm. Yeah. And because he was such a great artist, like how how can you possibly ignore the contributions that he has made to modern mm. music on the sole basis of some of his and his yeah misgivings. His personal life shouldn't be related to that at exactly. All, and so which I think another contradiction she makes. She knows that exactly. Yeah. So I think she she's aware that these things aren't acceptable to most people. I think but she's I also aware. I think she thinks that she draws an amount of her power and her creative process mm. from doing those kind of things. Mm. I watched an interview with the director where he was talking about the idea that like she's just a human being and we're all flawed and we yeah. all make decisions when we know they're wrong. I, I, I literally think it's as simple as like she knows what she's doing is wrong but it's fun and so she's going to keep doing it mm. because she just like hasn't because the the the, the 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 consequences haven't caught up with her yet. Yeah. But I think the real nuance there is like, like I don't think it's like I a think calculated thing where she's like I know that this people won't get it. I'm gonna. I, I literally think it's like she knows actively knows it's wrong, but she just isn't thinking. I about don't it. know this if that's a calculation. I, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I kind of disagree because I think it's more emotional. I, I know that people rationalize things yeah. to themselves, and so I actually don't think she thinks it's wrong. I think she thinks that people will punish her for it if they find out i think people don't do things if they truly believe that they're the wrong thing to do yeah i think people find ways to tell themselves stories to justify whatever they want to do right. anyway i think and i think that's what she's doing and i also think that's more interesting yeah i feel like she's very much doing what she feels in the moment and then it's reactionary afterwards mm -hmm. of like covering that up or going that might not be received well yeah because exactly. there's a lot of things if she thought about it like again sort of past that halfway point mm. where you're like that's obviously a bad thing to do not even like morally just for what's going on for you yeah, right like now you're, you're you're endangering yourself that's yeah. a bad choice yeah and and it's obvious like i feel like those are the points where it's showing you like she doesn't think about it until afterwards like mm. what that means for her mm. or I that it could like penetrate that image that she's created yeah. in any yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the one of the most rewarding things about this movie is it's one of those movies that doesn't treat you like an idiot. Yeah. Like drip feeds you stuff it and leaves you to think you. about it later. Yeah. And it's yeah. yeah, it's it's never like pointing at something and really rubbing it rubbing your nose in it. And I, it made me think like just about the writing in general. I think that something that I enjoyed at some points in the film and then didn't enjoy at other points of the film is that the film feels very written. Yeah. Like the the all of her dialogue feels like to me sometimes at its worst, which is still good, like sort of dialogue that a clever person thought would sound clever. Or the, like the dialogue that someone thought a clever person would would, would say or whatever. Right, like, okay. There's a lot of like in that um 
in her spell. And maybe it's that literally the character is being performative when she's yes. singing. Oh, that's what I was, I was about I was to thinking say. of like the first scene where she's being interviewed on stage. Oh, and she's then the, insufferable the in scene that scene. Julia, yeah, it's awesome. Like, there's a lot of <laughs> yeah, scenes like that where she's being quite performative and it's mostly the way she speaks. I just... Uh, Something about it sort of rubbed me the wrong way. And I suppose the more I think about it, maybe it's believable. That's just the whole point of the character is that yeah. she's, being, she's performing. She I, maybe, she's maybe I have nothing to say. Performing. The, first thing, the first thing that I feel like you said when we walked out of the cinema was like, I think that might benefit from a rewatch. And I'd be very interested to, to see what yeah. your rewatched yeah, kind of opinion I, on this movie is. I, I also think it, they could literally cut like 20 minutes out of it and I wouldn't be able to... I never, I, that's just, yeah, I'm just... I, I'm team never do that. <laughs> I'm like, no. give me more, I don't care. You were just reading the script yeah, and what's was. so interesting is at the start of the script, Todd Field has a paragraph that says, basically, this script reads like it's going to be an under two-hour movie and it's not. It's going to... There's stuff in it that's going to take way longer than it says on the page. And <laughs> if you want to green light this movie, you sign on to that. Yeah. That's funny. It's, he's straight well, he up says telling like you, the, like, like, this it's going to take how long it movie. takes. My choice. Yeah. 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 yeah so it's funny. awesome. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen... The opposite of that is... Um, or maybe not. But related to that, when they were doing The Social Network, um, the screenplay for that is really dense because there's all this mm. Aaron Sorkin dialogue. Yeah. Um, and whoever it was that was producing or paying executive in charge of the movie or whatever was like, this movie needs to be under two hours and I don't believe that you can get this mm-hmm. under two hours. And Aaron Sorkin was like, well, what is it? It's a two-hour movie. Yeah. And there was like, prove they, it. And they so speak fast. Aaron yeah, Sorkin exactly. recorded himself <laughs> That's right. reading yeah. the whole screenplay yeah. from start to finish and got it like two hours bang on. And then they used that as the pacing to like mm. for the movie for yeah. the movie, for the scenes, be like, it has to be this That's, quick. Yeah. God. yeah. Um, so, I don't know, the writing like, we got a bit of a structure that I was trying to try, trying to work through a bit. So, like, uh, I think there was a lot of the time where I noticed the writing in a way that kind of broke me out of it. And maybe it was literally just that, like, it was a combination of that very wordy stuff that I wasn't in the mood for in, com- in, mm. in combination with scenes that felt like they were very slowly paced that I wasn't feeling much reward from. Sure, um, yeah. I agree with the, yeah. the, the way that the dialogue feels very performative. But I think what's really interesting is you kind of become... That becomes normalized because everyone in the world, everyone yes. in these environments talks it's, it's like that. It's the style that. of the movie, but I think it just, I, no, I noticed I think it's the it. style of the people the that she's talking to. I yeah. don't think it's the style of the movie. And I think one oh. interesting character that kind of breaks that down is the Russian cello player that mm-hmm. comes in and talks so uncouth and is impolite and rude. Sophie, I want to yeah. say. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And the way that she speaks is like. I think there's kind of like a an abruptness and like I said, like a brashness and a rudeness that cuts through the rest of like everything that Kate Blanchett's character is yeah. trying to set up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such an so interesting good. point of contrast. I think the fact that he also wrote that character means he knows everything he knows all of these people and the way that they talk to each other. It's all it's yeah. New Yorker speak, right? Not <laughs> New, not New York, like the fucking magazine. It's like yeah. that upper crust aristocrat shit. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And and I think most people in the movie yeah. do talk that way. Can we? Yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose so. Yeah. Mm. Maybe it just wasn't for me in the moment. Yeah. Which I, I, think- I did enjoy. And I enjoyed when it got like when someone that's speaking that way emotionally gets hit. You know, I, yeah. it's really nice. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things. I've been talking a lot, even though I've been saying I don't like the movie. So whatever. But like, I think okay. one of my favorite things about the movie was uh, it's like visual aesthetic. Yeah. It's visual style. Lots of like very clean, natural light, grays and 
light you get to see some sick and... concert halls yeah, oh, yeah. so interesting some architecture I, think that's the, I heard somewhere that's like a Dre- the Dresden Philharmonic concert hall or something mm. there's some yeah. beautiful concert halls in Europe um, and all these like beautiful apartments Remind I want every single apartment in this movie every single interior there's a specific I think it's the interior at their sort of offices where their orchestra rehearses where there's all this wood panelling everywhere <laughs> yeah. was, oh, it was gorgeous every single well, scene in that you love office. a wood panel don't you oh man it was it was gorgeous <laughs> I uh, loved everything about that whole all the interiors in this movie are so nice her house Yes. It's a lot of like bare concrete. I have a lot of love and hate relationship with bare concrete. Sometimes <laughs> when you do it right, you do it right, but yep. sometimes uh, this one no felt fucking love that. Yeah. This one, her fails felt deliberately imposing to me. Oh uh, yeah, imposing yeah. in a way that I felt was deliberate. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I think that the way that this film, I would love if this won the Oscar for editing because I think <laughs> yeah. that um, and cinemat- probably not cinematography, but the choices that were made by the cinematographer, I think perfectly serve the story. And especially there are some really fucking long takes in oh this my movie. God, yeah. Yeah. There's that one scene, Obsessed. which is in my list of like favorite scenes, which is where she has a rough interaction with a student that she's giving a lecture to where she sort of, um, berates him it's the one where he says bark is like a a a bad boy um and uh the way that that scene is shot it's it's moving it moves with her as she walks up and down the aisle in this concert in this lecture theater goes from like wide shots to close-ups every does like it it covers 360 degrees of the room and it's like a 15 minute take or something like a wordy scene scene. yeah really incredible sick monologue that she's delivering how many takes that was <laughs> yeah it'd be really interesting because it just felt so it did again it felt theatrical and mm. performative yeah. but in a way where like, like the way that the student responds in that scene is he just yeah. says basically fuck you and he walks out he says you're an asshole yeah. yeah and and walks out of the room because that's all that he has the power to do yeah but the the how commanding she is in that scene and how it she so clearly establishes like this is my world I'm giving you an insight into mm. and you have the fucking privilege of listening to that mm. and that someone dared to yeah. uh, sp- like spurn one of her legends yeah. was so offensive to her that she just snaps. I thought that was fucking great and the way that it builds that tension and lets her... She, it's almost like the you know, she's like pulling the camera's attention with her yeah. the whole fucking time. Yeah. I and loved the way it was shot. The- sort of sequence of events of where that happens is so like I found it almost refreshing because Mm. it's just after two scenes two very long heavy scenes of her sitting down across from someone and talking that really annoying like pretentious talk about shit that we don't know about but we know we just have to like listen and talk about it how these like uh, it's about how like oh they're coming for everyone now this cancel culture type shit or just yeah like Mm. just really annoying shop talk no 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 it's um it's the the interview scene and then it's the Mark Strong one Mark Strong okay where she kind of just tells him like I hate robots (laughs) and then yeah it's like you can tell that she's well the first one is like she's very careful about how she comes across in that setting the second one it's like she knows she has to play that part, but she doesn't want to be there. Yep. And then I feel like the the lecture at the Juilliard scene is like where it's her element. It's where she loves being. Yeah, and she's, that's the she's first the time we get the, the like the, that yeah. type of shot of like no cutting, just mm. living, seeing her yeah. in her element. Well, right. Because before that point, it's been, like you said, it's been two conversations and with a few intercut 
it's basically exclusively been close-ups. And yeah. something that I think that I noticed, correct me if I'm wrong, but okay. they never do like a two-shot of the two people in the camera uh, in the setting at the same Sometimes, time. Sometimes, but they don't stay in that world very long, Right, no. it's really, it, it's sort of very hyper-focused on yeah. these individual people flicking back and forth yeah. between the two of them. And so this this wide, like... L- like languishing in this long take of the whole room with all of these people and all of these like moving roving moments I think was so clearly distinct from that yeah it's cool I think style. he definitely knows how to build suspense when he needs to and like there's a lot of like it's like fuck those guys are great mm. he knows what he's doing he's like very technically competent mm. I think an interesting thing about that scene where they're arguing about like death of the artist stuff is that like on some level, I kind of agree with Tar, but she's just making the point in the most antagonistic, assholeish way possible. Like yes. the point that she's making is like these composers lived like four hundred years ago in yeah. a completely different t- like it was like literally a different time, like to the mm. degree of four hundred years, where mm. it's like you kind of don't know the context that they were living in, and culturally, society was so different that you sort of. It's not necessarily, in my opinion, very fair to sort of hold people from four years, four hundred years ago, up to like four years. From, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not very fair to hold people up from four hundred years ago up to like a modern, the same standard, standard, mm. and also like. My own personal opinion on Death of the Artist stuff is that, like, there's a lot of art that is beloved by people independent of who created it. Yeah. Like, and also much of the classical music is so old that, like, stuff like, like, no one fucking, like, if you ask the average man on the street, like, no one's going to be able to be like, oh, that's this movement of this thing by this composer or whatever. It's just like an iconic piece of culture. And so to say, like, or someone from 400 years ago. It's 400 years ago. I think it's an interesting one to pick because it's this hyperbolic, like, well, if you don't believe in cancel, if, you know, if you know, there's cancel culture, thing, what about someone from fucking 1600 or whatever? So, mm. like, I think I think it's an interesting example to pick and it's like a yeah. hyperbolic example to pick and then be like, and therefore that applies to everything. And I think that the way that she deals with it is, it's interesting because it's like, she is handling it poorly because she has yeah, so much she- to lose from like, the outcome of the conversation. Yes. So she's so invested in being yeah. like, no, cancel culture is is universally uh, invalid and nothing to worry about because what, are you going to lose bark? Yeah. So like, I don't know. And it's like the other person is being quite generous at each step of that. Like as she says, and then what about this? And they kind of offer like, well, I kind of like these composers, I guess. Mm. And the point that I think she loses that person is when she she like doubles down she goes on for like two minutes of like well and then this person said this quote about you know jews or whatever like about jazz and but then does that mean jewish people never played their music no and then she just keeps going on and going on and they're like i was trying to give it to you we were done yeah (laughs) Yeah. it feels like a canned speech yeah yeah really yeah they were like i don't you don't need to convince me of this and now you've just made me feel awful so that's the point where they like just storm out yeah Mm. and it's kind of even like if you were agreeing with either of their points of that in that conversation, she just takes it to this next level of like, well, she's just being a dick about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think thought- um, what's really interesting is that this isn't like a lecture. Well, ironically, there is literally a lecture in it, but <laughs> it's not a movie that's lecturing you no. about whether or not it's d- 
it, I don't think this movie takes a particular side on Death of the Artist. No, I think it's just showing that she has a side on it. Yes. And, and it's, it's interesting the way that she handles the conversation. I think it would be much it. weaker if it was trying to make a point about yeah. you should or shouldn't leave these people behind in history. I think instead what it's saying is everyone is going to have a particularly unique approach to this question, but here are the consequences that these people experience and yeah. here are the... Here is the damage that they do while they're on yeah. their way. And so it's saying yeah. like, well, you make your own mind up about it, but it's not one way or the other, really. I don't it's not this isn't a movie about cancel culture. I like know. that's such no. an People annoying fucking really way minimize to describe it to that. It. Yeah. 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 Um it's almost like that's just a background setting to what's happening. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just a, a convenience for mm. the the way it happens, but it's not it's not saying any like, and this is what I think about cancel culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is, she's more of an archetypal villain than that. Like she's a manipulator and an abuser of power. And the, the, the way that she, like she's doing that in the unique context of like the high society music conducting kind of orchestra type yeah. thing. But th- that's a character we've seen that's a character we've seen politicians do mm-hmm. that's a character we've seen world leaders do yeah that's a character that we've seen heaps of different people in all other walks of life do that's very familiar to us is like the the puppet master who overextends because of their own personal vices i think it's interesting that because at, at its heart if you had to boil this down to a couple sentences it is a movie about an artist getting cancelled that's that's so, that's, that's such a modern i, I Oh, yeah, sorry, finish <laughs> your thought. That's what the movie is. It's like artist has something problematic that they did and they are guilty of come out that results in their career being adversely affected. Mm. And so I think it says a lot about the elegance of the movie and the way in which it's constructed to not have that as its focus just because it's coming out well, in 2022 yeah. or 2023. That, 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 that's kind of not what the movie's about. And it's, I think that around that, I think it's like such an elegant way of integrating something that is quite relevant at the moment into a movie that is interesting independent of that to the point where it's yeah. kind of not about that because a, mm. a lesser movie would have been this boring uh, like trite commentary on cancel culture yeah. but it's kind of not it's it's kind of like I don't know I, 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 I've, I've lost my train of thought but I think it's interesting that um, the movie handles that in a way that makes it really interesting and compelling and not about that completely even though a yeah. lesser movie would have made that its sole focus I think mm. it's it's more same sentence but just different wording it's about an artist's downfall and yeah. their consequences yeah. consequences catching up with them which yeah. just because of the time that this is it happens to be through cancel culture but i think the saying fact it's that she's about getting cancelled is like oh, makes yeah. it sound so irrelevant to her actual actions which is the movie is like almost exclusively about how she acts <laughs> i think yeah part of the key here is like to me the the, the fact that Lydia is a conductor is almost like a suit of armor she's put on over mm. herself. Mm. It's incidental. And we get that. Sorry, sorry. This is like sort of spoiler warning. I'm not spoiling anything really significant. I mean, it's but about time we could talk about spoilers. Yeah, so okay. go and see this movie. It's great. We all love it. Great. Especially Oscar. But Sealed section spoilers start now. Yes. Great. But I think... Uh, the fact that we learn that she... So, she is obviously very clearly passionate. The fa- We see her sitting in front of that VHS tape and listening to another composer mm. and slash conductor talk about why music is so important to us. And I feel yeah. like at that point, it's showcasing how she's lost touch with that. And that's what makes her emotional about it. Well, that's the way I read it. There's mm, really no dialogue in that mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, or maybe if she hasn't, if she doesn't feel that way, I feel that she has I kind lost of, touch I with think the whole point of her going back to that house is just how much she's changed. Like you said, you yeah. noticed she's changed. She changed her name. Yeah, that her yes. name on all the certificates in her bedroom is like Linda T A R Tar T A R R. Yeah, she changed her name to Lydia Tar with an accent. I th- so I think yeah. so. That was kind of my point: is that she is a, a type of person, and she happened also to be an artist and to have this. Um, to have mm. found her way in this particular passion. But it feels like, to me, she would be making the types of decisions that she is making no matter what she chose to do. Yeah. I think the fact that it's about an artist that's having this thing happen to them is is key and core and beautiful, but also almost incidental. Yes. It feels like she oh. would pursue greatness and exploit people I no matter what she think was doing. I think I see... The same, like a different side of the same coin there, because I feel like it's pure, like everything she does is comes from that passion or that obsession of this is what I want to be. I want that to be my life, which is how I kind of read that scene of watching that composer is I feel like from the start to the end, we see her look at these idols and, and literally quite literally recreate those images for herself Mm. she she dresses the same she recreates album covers the same she conducts her life in a way that she thinks she should to succeed in this world and i think the way i read it is that she was rewarded for coming up with that narrative for herself basically told like this works this gets you further Mm. rather than being linda tar being lydia is what works so keep doing that keep creating a story which I think is also like the poetic version of her being the conductor fits there is that she is in control She's of everything, every note, every mm. timing. Like She's in control of it. And I feel like that is what this st- movie is telling us about people who manipulate is that they've come through a path where they've constantly been rewarded for doing that, that that works for them, that yeah. gets them further. And so I feel like what this movie actually kind of at most says about separating the art from the artist is how she fails to do that herself. She says that that is a value of hers. She argues for it. Mm. Whereas in the first interview, she's talking about how her way into this number five symphony that she's not done yet is looking at the marriage of the original composer and looking for the love in that marriage. (laughs) And then the whole, all of her choices you see later on is all like personally motivated, like the cellist, promoting her mm. the sort of blind audition purely because she saw she thought she was hot when she saw her in the bathroom yeah <laughs> yeah i think it's just another good subtle way that the film very elegantly shows that like this lady is full of shit and like, yeah she contra- everything she says is contradictory or everything yeah. she does is contradictory to mm. what she says yeah if we're talking about like spoilery stuff do we want to talk about so the film at regular points throughout shows like someone Having it'll be like a close up shot of a phone, yeah, videoing her speaking in public, and also like having some SMS text conversation being like, lol, fuck Lydia Tar, she's like such a fucking, yeah, she's full of shit, she's such a phony or whatever, yeah, but still um, love her though. Or like, and you never see like the, you, you never, never see, see the who person it is. who it actually do you, do you is, guys- if, it's, if it's one person. Right. Uh, yeah, that's what I can't quite get a read on, and I'm hoping the script helps with that. Right, I'm really interested about that. I don't. My personal prediction is that I think it's going to be ambiguous in the script because it's meant to be no one, any of the people. Well, I kind of think so as well because yeah. because we were talking about it right after the thing about yeah. how um 
at several points at several points in the movie you see the seemingly the same phone with the same app filming her and chatting about yeah. her on SMS or whatever. And it can't possibly be the same. Like we were talking about like maybe it's the Russian cellist yep. or yeah. maybe it's her original assistant, Francesca, yep. Francesca, or like it can't be the wild. It, it can't I, be the girl that killed herself. So like, like for example, in the book signing, you see, you see yeah, the person that's the texting in the book signing. Me. And I thought like maybe Francesca, maybe it's implying like Francesca is like there in in the book signing rose somewhere right. and doesn't show her and she's secretly there. Well and one of the strings. One, someone filmed the rant she had in the yeah, Juilliard classroom. So love her. It could be it could be the violin her, her wife. Could yeah, be could be, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it could be. Fuck that um, rules. It could be. So it's, I was thinking. So of, like, I don't think there's any answers, and I'm also not sure. I mean, it might be a little bit of like burning, where there's just some inherent contradictions. Yeah, I think in some the of them are clear. Like I've read about the first thirty pages of the script, and like it, the first two, it's clear that it is Francesco. I think, but I'm curious. I'm really curious about that book signing stuff. Whether yeah. it becomes more ambiguous as it goes. Right. Who placed the the metronome? Yeah. Who took her performance score? Yeah. Yeah. So true. Like, this about is that. what's so wonderful about the last like half of this film. Yeah. Is yeah. that it just it becomes it's almost like as juicy as like a murder mystery unraveling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you just get to see these things that sh- mm. that that where someone has so maliciously acted against her. Yeah. Um and in a righteous way. Mm. But right, you were pointing out there are there are screenshots you can see in the movie that you yeah. don't notice when you're watching it because they just flash by for a brief second. For example, when she's like lying So she wakes up at night yeah. hearing these noises and will like Ferret them out because she hates and them. Like, She's lying awake at night in her dark room, and the fucking screenshot shows yeah. that there is someone. There's, a, there's another third there woman is. sitting in a chair in the back of the room, and yeah. you don't notice She's her. She's just like standing in the hallway, and well, when you see her on her own in a space, like sometimes she just randomly like. As if it is a horror movie, turn around like she's heard something or seen something, yeah. is looking for something, mm. nothing's there, and then we just yeah. go back to whatever she's doing, and it's not addressed. And it, and, and the scream the in the script, park does that too. Like yeah. it just sets up because it never you never meet who screamed or yeah. you never see what happened. Yeah, no. And resolution. she never finds it, and she just goes to she's bed and then wakes up. It. So this yeah. random this there's this random third woman you see in the background of several shots yeah, throughout the movie. Yeah, what and it's just like in her house. It might not be the same person. That's multiple what times. I think. It's different people. Oh, so like the, the texting person could be like another victim that she hasn't even talked about. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Yeah, totally. It could exactly. be. It, it, it could be That's anybody. You definitely get the impression it's not just one person. That's what I. Love, that's the most yeah. Kubrickian shit about yeah. this whole film to yeah. me is the is the sense of like us sitting here talking about like who the fuck was it like yeah. who did it to her I'm yeah. just you mad I, I didn't mean? see it well yeah I, <laughs> I mean it's so, it it's so hard that. to notice literally I think that this film could have lent on that another five or ten percent lent on the thrillery stuff a bit more interesting and it would not have suffered at all like like sure. I, I think okay, there yeah. is I think a lot of this movie to me feels like a Drama character study movie mm. with for the for the average layperson ten percent thrillery stuff sort of almost disconnectedly sprinkled in yeah and I like to think I'm I pay attention with this sort of stuff but like the sort of stuff where you guys mentioned this later I didn't really notice when I was watching it and mm. like yeah maybe I was a bit tired or whatever when I was watching it but I literally feel like the movie would be so much better if it lent on this like like I said five percent more. And I don't think it would be obtuse because I think the movie mm. is already so good at like trusting you. 
I think it just needs to trust me a bit less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, because like this, maybe, like, I wish maybe noticed right. it. Like, if I had noticed that, I would have like, like, and like, I don't think it's to the film's advantage for me to have found out through a screenshot and a Facebook well, message I, through a week later. Guess what I'd argue is the feeling of yeah. those those things being there. I think we're still in those scenes. Like, you got the sense that she feels haunted by something. You never mm. quite knew with each of those like almost dream sequences whether yeah. it was real or yeah. whether it wasn't happening at all. And I feel like I guess my kind of just counter to that is like as long as you were still feeling that, yeah. the intention of what they're doing there, yeah. I think that's it's still working. I think I think I could have I think I could have been convinced to have been to felt a to be, ah, I think I could have been convinced to feel a bit more paranoid the yeah. whole way through the movie. Yeah. In a way, like, like thinking of like a Gone Girl, sure. where you're just paranoid the whole time. That's like a yeah. ratchet up this to eleven. This movie example. made me feel so much more paranoid than Gone Girl. So it's interesting <laughs> that you had that reaction to it. I just feel like like a lot of this time I was actively bored in the mm. movie in bits where it was like where, where she's just doing normal conductor stuff. Uh, yeah, where so I thought like. Um, I, th- I, I thought they could have like ratcheted really it up a bit more. Like, and I wish I'd noticed the stuff where she was lying a bit more. Like, maybe I just oh, wasn't paying attention. Maybe, I, maybe I was lying. just. Maybe I was literally more hungover. Than I love when women lie as well. Yeah, yeah, that's when they should talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I reckon women lie a lot more than men do. Yeah. What are you guys? That's what this movie is that's actually the, about. That is what Todd Field is saying. <laughs> Lesbians are bad. <laughs> Got our episode title right there. Yeah, lesbians <laughs> be lying. Um, it's gonna have to be lesbian quote lesbian. Like we have to. Yeah. <laughs> this just in from a lesbian. <laughs> lesbians yeah. are bad. <laughs> that's right. Um, I feel like my favorite scene in the whole thing, probably the lecture scene. Yeah. But mm. my next favorite, which really made me feel something that I don't feel very often mm. was the scene where she goes down, she follows the Russian cellist and then loses her and she goes down into the basement with like... Oh, yeah. The, is it a dog? A dog yeah. was, like, I was going to say... What the fuck? And then, creature? And then An so omen. the sound design in this movie is already awesome. Right, the sur- but the it's, it's way... It's surround sound in a way that The way that it don't. does it, I just have not had that from many movies ever. Yeah. And it fucking did this thing where she's just walking through these these puddles and mm. you just hear footsteps behind mm. her. Just like step, 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 step. And she will like turn around and it'll stop. Mm. And then she'll keep going. And it's just so undeniably there that it, it's like impossible for her to be imagining it. So that was my favorite movie too. But favorite movie, fuck. That was my favorite scene too. Mm. But my gripe with that was that I just felt like it was a bit disconnected from the rest of the movie in a way where it was literally like, why does the cellist live in a place that looked like it was But that's bombed? what I loved the most. It, it was her most unhinged moment, I think, other than it like felt- when she... Yeah. Fucking tackles Mark Strong. It felt yeah. surreal in a she way was that so I was so losing her mind. Surreal. Yeah. I didn't really realize that that's what the movie was doing until you were like, "Yeah, that's the point." And I thought, like, "Oh yeah, I suppose I so." And I feel right. dumb like for not realizing. I, it just, I don't know. It made me like genuinely. I had this moment where my body just like, I, I just yeah, shivered at the footsteps. Upsetting. I was like, "Oh, yeah. get me the fuck out of here!" Yeah. Like, I hate this. You I were, hate this. I, I hate you were this. like yeah. shrinking in your chair. I did. Awesome. So fucked. I was like, I'm pretty afraid of the dark. Yeah. The two things and it just seemed you were like a little. You were like a little boy. It felt like it felt like Todd Field had. He knew what I was yeah. afraid of, and he just like drilled into that part of like, my I'm brain. Not and just you with a fucking you know, he stick. actually called me like a year ago. Yeah, and, and was like, "Dogs in the dark." Talk to me. What didn't know who he was. He hadn't made anything for like 15 years. Then. Oh man. Mm. It was um, so fucked. I yeah. loved that scene. God damn. Yeah. Horror movies. I've watched so many horror movies that have not made me feel fucking anything even close right? to that. I love, I love you, when like, that can throw 
just a different tone in there or like something that yeah. would be annoying in another but movie. But it feels maybe. earned. I didn't think it felt disconnected. Well, also I, I thought it felt really earned. It, it makes you feel weird because you're like, she's learning she's completely misread this person in mm-hmm. a like in a way i feel like that's what that scene's doing yeah. and yeah. then also she quite literally as a result of that tarnishes her physical image <laughs> which yeah, i she's feel got like bruises on her face yeah, yeah yeah she's paying the it's price kind of like a you know like it, whether that dog was real or not if it is some sort of omen thing it's like just her well telling her like if you keep going this is like yeah this is ruining it for that's you that's what draws the closest uh or the shortest line to whiplash for me is that yeah. he and in the car crash scene he shows up with yeah. all the fucking bruises yeah. on his face and stuff it very felt true. very yeah. similar of like when the emotional yeah. uh you, you know you, you're dragging all the shit in your wake and it finally catches up with you and you experience like a physical damage yeah because of all of the choices yeah. that you've made i really love um, yeah. I really my favorite it. scene I loved a lot of those sort of surreal dream space sequences. Like where alone it's like, in a house? No, more like the, those bits where it's like in a black space and everyone's kind of warped. Oh, the one where she's wakes on up the in a bed forest. in the Amazon yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Awesome. Right. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. I forgot that happened. Yeah, and fuck. The ending where God, it turns out really that, she's oh, now, that where she's now stuck directing or conducting the fucking yeah. Monster, Monster Hunter, Hunter. show yeah. awesome. in cosplay. I just so think funny. that's the most... I think if you asked her character at the start, exactly. she would tell you that's the most debased, debilitating Vili- thing. Video games dead life. Yeah. Yeah. So the most embarrassing thing Absolutely. she could ever have to do. It's yeah. awesome. such a good, pu- perfect punishment. Yeah, yeah. being a nerd it feels so <laughs> good. Right. Imagine. <laughs> yeah, you guys, have you got any anything else spoilery you want to say before we get out of spoilers? I, I, I love when, when she bullied that child. <laughs> Oh yeah! <laughs> she Dude, that I child. love a scene where an <laughs> adult physically threatens a child. I didn't she, hear what she, you said the again. school bully. When she just says to that. The, oh the, yeah, it's a, it's weird that she introduces herself as, as her the child's father. father. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, was, she's I guess that just speaks so to how she sees herself in that moment, role. Right? Yeah. yeah, like not so much maternal, but just protective. Mm. Yeah. That was a good scene. I thought yeah. that was fucking Just, great. I will I, get you. Yeah. I, yeah. What a thing to say. Because what language are you going to use? You don't want. You don't need specifics. <laughs> it's going to probably be scary if you. The ch- child's probably got an active imagination. Let it yeah. run wild. That's good. Let I'll, her pick what I'll, you do. I'll get you. Yeah. Oh. It's a very funny threat. Just I promise I will get you. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And you like it's such a good introduction of like oh she's she's familiar with this and she knows that this works. Yeah. Which is yeah. Awesome. To a child. So I, I would good. love to see her do the same thing to like God. a forty year old forty year old adult. Be like I'll get you and the other's like oh, sorry what, what? okay uh, how <laughs> what is she? but yeah. that's the thing yeah. it's her approach changes according yeah. to her yeah, target she knows. Like, she knows what works yeah, yeah. To, to, she would never say that to a 40 year old because she'll be specific with a 40 year old yeah exactly she steals oh, his fucking it's pen it's so good I love <laughs> yeah. this character um, holy fuck I do have one more thing I wanted to get into which was the score and this weird thing that's oh, happened yeah, with the oh yeah what are you saying about that yeah so we're so out of spoilers I, I, can, I can tag end of spoilers we're yes. done okay I great there was so. a notable yeah. absence of score in this movie yes so it's I don't know how to say her last name but it's Hilda Guadnetator or something that yeah the one it's that did Icelandic the Joker yeah. like kind of has been working for ages but only recently kind of taken off and film stuff Joker had a good score yeah, yeah. great score and so it's kind of exciting well, like, I think people that just saw that she was doing a score for this film and it's like, oh, it's a film about a composer. That's going to be sick. And it's weirdly been getting nominated for, like, Golden Globes and stuff like that. But there is no score in the film specifically. Is that true? You hear pieces of classical music being played. The closest is, the closest of, like, hearing something that Hilda composed is the song she is composing for her daughter throughout. Right. But so the one that gets played on the piano. Yeah. So what's the story with Petra. the score then? 
Well, it was actually really interesting. I thought it was just like a weird thing where they, she'd made one and then they decided not to use it and it was just like a weird situation. But I was watching this um, group interview after a screening. I think it was like the New York Film Festival one, if yeah. anyone wants to look it up. But they have this extensive talk about how she came on very early in the process and the approach was, the way they phrased it was like, usually what a score does, a normal score is underscoring the scene. It's kind of just adding this extra... Emphasis. Like, paint stroke to the whole emotion of it. Yeah. And what she calls what she does with this film is an interscore in that, like, she comes up with rhythms, timings, the little tones. Like, when she she's at the punching bag, she always has a specific rim, rhythm she I does. I noticed that, too. She's punching, punching bag. In a, it's like triplets. Just the, that doorbell sound she hears and then is recreating. Oh, yeah. There's in the script so as well. So, is that the stuff that Hilda's designed? Yes, which is insane. Like the pace of people, she is but kind there, of but designing. But there is real music as well, right? Or not? Oh, she she has an actual also real score, which yeah. I was saying I feel like if you figured out which scenes each one was for, you could almost play along and it would fit. Mm. And I feel like that's they how they included, approach. So there is orchestral stuff that she's done that's released yeah, that's not in yeah. the movie. But it's kind of like that's not the point. That's not what she yeah, was doing with this. And, and, and something in the script, when they introduce the cello player, the Russian one, it introduces her as a walk at 60 beats per minute comes into the bathroom. <laughs> right. And so yeah, I feel like there's a lot of... That's Hilda's influence. Or, or the texting with the video of of Lydia and it's on that phone and you don't know what it is. It says yeah. a TikTok of texting, like a, a beat, a rhythm TikTok. to the texting. Yeah, cool. So right. I feel like it, if you were to watch this film, almost like if you just didn't pay attention to any of the words that are said, anything else going on you're just looking for rhythms looking for little sounds little tunes i noticed it with the ambulance and like the scream scene like i feel like there's just a little tune to everything mm. i didn't notice that but I'd, I'd love to watch a video that sort of analyzes it yeah i, think I feel like we don't even fully know yeah, the extent she's of what's operating going on, on here. like yeah. such a <laughs> such an emotional level not like a cognitive level but with yeah that kind of i would stuff. recommend checking out that interview because it's just fascinating to hear her That's talk sick. about it we'll try and yeah if you can if you can link yeah. it to us we'll my impression was kind of like almost like worried that she was disappointed that this score she's made which you can look up it's on spotify like an actual That's score wild. That's insane. That i thought it was going to be this like disappointment or like that didn't make it in the film but then to hear that so it, why did they produce why did they record the music if they didn't i think it's kind of a bit of a trick i think they're having fun with it right i, 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 <laughs> I feel That's like wild. it's a bit of a, a misdirect oh and the other fun little thing is like she's she's name dropped in the film and like by lydia tar herself in that interview thing which i thought oh, was a really? cute That's cool. mention mm. so yeah that's i just wanted to talk about the score with that that is cool, that no, cool. Let's talk more about that. i think it's probably all we got right um mm. i think in terms of like better than worse than any sort of stuff i always have have trouble thinking of like better thans just because i don't watch shit movies but i think that the <laughs> in terms of the comparisons that you talk about with um this movie and black swan and whiplash whiplash thank you uh I think those are great touch points. So, I think if you liked Whiplash or Black Swan, I think you'll like this. Mm. Mm. I think that my favorite of those three is still probably Whiplash. Now, are we, I haven't seen Black Swan since it came out. We're like very young when we watched that. But like, uh, Me I'd too. Have to yeah, same deal. I feel like I enjoyed this more. Mm. I think I enjoyed this 
as way more nuanced. much as I enjoyed Whiplash. And I feel yeah. like Whiplash, this, I, I feel very mean saying this, this makes Whiplash feel a little bit two-dimensional. Yes. Like, I was, yeah, childish. I mean, I, I, could yeah. See, I could see how this is, the Whiplash is like the dumb guy version of this now, maybe. But I honestly think that in terms of my complaints about this movie not being necessarily as focused, mm. I think that maybe Whiplash goes too far in the other direction, but it does it to a degree that I enjoyed more than I enjoyed this. I, I, I feel like Whiplash is an easier watch. I like, think it yeah. walked so this could run in, in, yeah, a, in kind of a sure. way. Like I'm not sure if it was a particular influence for him, but um, but it felt like that's like the first level that you take that type of character study to. Yeah, and then what's interesting is like, well, what about J.K. Simmons' character? Like, what would it be like if his if he if you yeah. did a film where it subjectively showed this process from his perspective and was more empathetic about what he was trying to do, yeah, and also you know. like you, like Whiplash, you you know kind of what's happening or mm. you're seeing it develop with your main character. Whereas I think what's so distinct about this is you meet her after a lot of what she's done that's important, and you just see, you you get to a point yep. with her where it's just the cracks are starting to show, mm. and that's the start yeah. of the story for this one. Well, yeah, because like in Whiplash, Andrew finds out that he, uh, uh, another student of that guy yeah. has has killed himself. Yeah, right? and that's like the crisis point, like the right. sort of end of the second act. Yeah, and, and Did so you I just feel remember like remember the, the the protagonist's name in Whiplash just out of nowhere. Yeah, because I made the mistake where I couldn't remember the actor's name, but I remember the main character. You well, it's my fucking Andrew? name. It does make it a little bit easier. But I think name. what's really interesting is like, yeah, if you took the fact that so many, there's so many similar things in Whiplash, but mm. they happen as a victim's perspective yeah. in a way. But the, this, exactly as you say, they, hap- they happened before the script started. Yeah. Um, and you, you mm. just got this sense that of like the walls closing in on the character yeah. because their consequences of their actions are starting Whiplash to catch up with them. Is almost like how much can someone put up with to do what they want to be doing? Yeah, the, and this the, is more like people are starting to not let this slide. <laughs> you shouldn't. Yeah, it doesn't take that necessarily to people. People have this idea that it takes great suffering yeah. to forge greatness. Yeah, and I think that these are films that sort of are just. They're not saying it doesn't, but they're starting to question the value of the suffering, Yeah, which I really love. In any case, I agree that those are three good touch points. Mm. Wait, know. can I throw in a weird wild card yeah, better than worse then? Did either of you see Memoria? No. no. I would say like experience-wise, it's a, it's a film about a character that's obsessed with a sound, but it also plays like a thriller. Cool. <laughs> and so it kind of reminded me of it. Memoria is a way weirder watch, but I think it does similar things with sound and paranoia but mm. they just have a very different purpose so if that was something you watched and felt like you didn't know what to take away from it i think there's just more to chew on with tar so i would i would say tar is better than that more yeah, is the cool, okay. taiwan with tilda swinton yes that's the one yeah nice yep. came out a couple of years ago cool okay um we uh all right always well i thought it was like cool touch points great so i suppose if you're wondering whether you should watch tar or not uh, hopefully those give you a bit of a clue as to what kind of vibe it is uh, in any case thanks for listening this week glad to have you back again uh, if you want to know what we're going to be watching next week we haven't decided yet but it'll be in the description of this week's episode so check out the description also in the description is our email address no one really emails us anymore but you know you could see that as a reason not to email us or you could see it as a reason to jump to the top of our list mm. so you know if you want us to watch anything or you got any thoughts about favourite movies or whatever drop us a line you could 
get to the front of the queue straight away. That's You're right. walking right in the front doors. That's right. Baby. We might even we might even read it out on the show. I'll greet mm. you with a little smooch. Get your own segment. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Uh, God knows what we're going to be playing at the end of this if there was no fucking score <laughs> yeah, in this so movie. True. So, Just you know, enjoy yeah. whatever the fuck we're listening to right now. <laughs> Uh, it might be nothing. It might just be nothing. It's like sick. an EDM we'll have, track at we'll the have end. some little yeah. tippy just, tappy just steps. Just the sound of that woman in the park screaming. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> just a woman screaming for half an hour. Or 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Talk about women talking, screaming. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right. It, it, was, it was worth losing and then re-recording yep. this last two minutes. <laughs> Bit of a peek behind the curtain, but it's all good, folks. It's all good. We recovered thanks, really well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye, bye, bye. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Something we did in the last the last time we recorded this yet again to this time. Thank you very much, Laura, for being on the show. Wow. Great guest. Oh yes. Worth yeah. being thanked Lovely again. Guest. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I Talented was a great guest. guest. Yeah. One of the best guests. I made this podcast more enjoyable for you. You did. Damn. Thank you. <laughs> Tell your friends to watch or listen to our listen to our stuff. Tell your friends to like our pages. Yeah. Yep. Tell everybody we like this podcast. Hopefully you do too. See you. Bye. Bye. I love you. Bye. Miss you. Bye. 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 Bye